0: hello everyone and welcome back to the 805 uncensored or if this is your first time tuning in welcome the 805 uncensored is a podcast about leftist politics history music and more tonight joining me on the show we have an exciting cast of some of our regulars we've got heather hello daniel hi <laughs> everybody brandon and taj <clears throat> First things first, happy Small Business Saturday and shout out to any of our small business owners that listen to the show. <clears throat> you guys have any small businesses that you wanted to shout out before we uh, get into the gist of it?
1: Uh, yeah. Swap me. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I
2: was thinking about it when I read your email, and there's a pet food store uh, over by Ralphs in Camarillo. And pet supply. Pet supplies.
0: Love I'm that telling place.
2: You, if you go in there and you talk to the owner, he will stand there and talk to you for like a fucking hour about dog food. And he has helped me so much um, over the years with my dogs and their diet. And so I love that. I love that fucking place.
0: I go there so much. We've racked up a shitload of points. Yeah. Like yeah. they always comment on the food we buy too, because we, me and my girl go over the top on the money that we spend on our pets because we try to get the best stuff possible. And yeah, you're totally right. He, he knows a lot about dog food. It's, it's amazing going in there every time.
2: Yeah, he's great.
0: Daniel, did you have one you wanted to shout out?
3: Yes, absolutely. So, uh, especially for you, uh, in Camarillo, Heather, I should, uh, I'm send you a picture of the cards, but so my wife just opened her massage therapy place in Camarillo called expanding wellness, um, super dope. So that's what it looks like inside. Super cozy. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. She got, she got a sweet spot in Camarillo. So it's, um, right off Lantana in Daly, um, right behind the wood ranch right there. That's a hot awesome. spot. Yeah. So she's in, she's in a build like an office building. So um, she's super legit. She's been doing massage for like eight years, but she was doing it mobile and working for other people before. So she's finally got her, her own spot. So super excited. She's, she's open for business Wednesday through Sunday,
0: nine to seven,
3: 10 to seven. Congrats to her.
0: Awesome. I'll try to attach a link in the, in the show description too, so people can check it out. Awesome. I'll send it to you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Everybody go check her out. She's
3: super amazing. Uh, I was her school test dummy, so I can attest to her.
0: (laughs) Taj, did you have any businesses that you want to shout out from Ventura County? Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. The swap meet go check it out, bro. Right there. And, uh, right there at the college, the Ventura college, there's produce, there's food trucks, uh, clothing, all that.
0: Sweet. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to shout out the lookout. It's a badass nice. restaurant in the Channel Islands Harbor in Oxnard, and they have some amazing clam chowder. Really friendly staff and great place to get a beer with a great view. Nice. Okay. First oh, things, I got uh, yeah, yeah, That's Brandon, cool. go ahead.
4: Um, Since I'm a vegetarian, it's kind of hard to find like vegan and vegetarian places sometimes. So in me we got Bamboo Cafe, which is local and it's a uh, Vietnamese food, but they have a decent selection of vegetarian stuff as well as other stuff and also in ventura we got fatty vegan if you guys haven't gone there it's pretty sick it's nice i don't know how it's run but i know a bunch of punks own it and it's a pretty cool place good environment nice people decent food so check them out too and that's what i got awesome thanks everybody so
0: first things first i wanted to talk about consumerism so consumerism Uh, is an economic theory that states, since the economy is primarily consumer spending based, individuals who consume goods and services will be better off. So obviously here on this podcast and as leftists in general, we reject consumerism for many reasons, but mainly because of its ecological, social, economic, and deeply psychological consequences, which we'll touch on later. materialism itself in itself is a very cringe concept when we as human beings insist on prioritizing having the biggest and best stuff and so to speak, keeping up with the Joneses in air quotes, we lose much of our humanity. Not surprisingly, there are several highly compelling studies indicating that consumerism and living a materialistic lifestyle leads to a life of depression and anxiety. This podcast episode will be about exploring the radical potential of Christmas and the holidays, Uh, Christmas in particular, because that's the holiday that I'm most familiar with. But I'm well aware that there's other holidays that are celebrated like Hanukkah and Kwanzaa Um, and how we could envision the holiday season in a manner that's much more egalitarian and detached from the toxic impacts of capitalism. So I already hear people saying it in the background for the holiday season, you know. Capitalism isn't forcing you to go to the store and buy stuff. So nobody's saying that. <laughs> yeah. Although I would argue because of what I mentioned above that there is sort of a societal pressure in the US in particular to buy large quantities of things. But that aside, this year seems like it could be an outlier. <clears throat> We're in the second year of the COVID-19 pandemic. Americans are quitting their jobs in mass. Prices are skyrocketing, and for the first time that I can recall really ever in my life, Americans in large quantities are asking themselves, do we really need all this stuff? Do we really need to make the holidays as as expensive and chaotic and stressful as they are? And the answer to both of those is, of course, an emphatic no. Also, going off what I just said, where capitalism isn't forcing you to go to the store and buy stuff, as leftists... We encourage people to only take the things that they need and leave the rest for others. It directly correlates to the Karl Marx quote from each according to their ability to each according to their need. The same people that aggressively support capitalism are the same <coughs> ones that do the same for consumerism. This is because consumerism is simply a byproduct of capitalism and consumerism only stands to benefit the bourgeoisie. <clears throat> so, I wanted to quote the English painter, Ben Nicholson. He said, the corruption of the American soul is consumerism. I wanted to ask each one of you uh, what your interpretations of that quote were and what you think about that. Whoever wants to take it first, Uh, Daniel, what do you think about the relationship between consumerism and the American psyche?
3: So I think that, you know, this is a really interesting discussion that I've been trying to have with people that the the essence of capitalism and and free market itself isn't inherently evil, but when it's left to its own devices to run rampant and unchecked, that's where we run into the problems um, where greedy people can take and keep, they will. And so we see that the greediest rise to the top as they exploit, step on, and hoard instead of sharing the fruits of the workers' labor. Because it's 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 never almost never the workers that are the, the wealthy. And so um, that and and the and the and the push for you know the constant need to to buy more and the the capitalist corporate mentality that we have planned failure. Like that's a known thing where the the corporations spend millions of dollars in research and development to find out exactly how long certain materials will last and they make the warranty run out right before that. So they they, they need us like instead of just allowing us to buy an item and then go get it repaired and people to just buy when they need, there's this constant need for more and more and more and to push us to, to get things that, that we don't need. Like, you know, I feel like the millennials are the first generation that doesn't have like a nice set of dishes. Do you know what I mean? Not, not the ones that you eat off of, not that we can't have nice things, but like a second set of just fancy dishes for when other people come over so that you look nicer than, than you are. Right? Like, so that's that extra stuff. Like we've got a set of dishes that are nice. We, you know, we, we, we invested finally, instead of having a bunch of hand-me-down stuff, but so we do have a nice set of dishes. It's not that you, that's another thing. I want to push back that anybody on the left, anybody that's a socialist or anything like that, we have to live in a burlap sack and, and can't have nice things. Like, no, it's not <laughs> that we can't have nice things. Socialism so is
0: when poor,
3: right? What, what we want is for everybody to have nice things. It's not that we don't want people to have nice things and you can't go get, you know, a nice haircut or have a nice set of dishes. But we also push back on the fact that we don't need a second and third set of dishes for when we have fancy people come over number one, to hoard extra stuff that we don't need, buy things that we don't need. Um, and then also to put on this false air of sophistication because of the material wealth that we've accumulated. Um, so I think that that absolutely ties into, to all of that. That's, that's the, the, the corruption is it where we believe and buy into, and it becomes a family tradition that you have to have a nice set of China or a nice set of dishes. Um, and that's where I feel like it is the corruption. It's not just, oh, some people buy more things is where it actually becomes embedded in our social traditions is that if you don't have these extra things, you
0: still don't have enough when some people still don't have the bare minimum. So that would be my little take on it. Absolutely. Really well said. Thank you. Heather, what do you think about the relationship between consumerism and, um, the American psyche?
2: Well, I wanted to pick up on the dishes.
0: Yeah. I think that's (laughs) a really interesting perspective. I've never heard anybody put it that way.
2: Yeah. But it's it's a good point because um when my when my husband's grandmother um passed away about five years ago um his mom gave me her china and it's this like huge you know tub of you know i mean it's very big and it's very heavy and i feel like um getting back to kind of your point uh jordan about like the psyche and how like these things, it like it starts to have an impact on your psyche because I started to feel like, um, like I like I was obligated to like use these things, and um, right before the pandemic, I think the thing the Thanksgiving before the pandemic, I ended up inviting like thirty people, like to our house, for Thanksgiving dinner, and I had I had a, a he was two at the time a two year old at the time. Okay. He was just about to turn three and I'm like cooking this meal for like all these fucking people. And the whole reason why was cause I felt like I was obligated to like have this occasion to like use the stuff that I have and to like show off our home and like, you know, just like you mentioned, keeping up with the Joneses, you know, and, um, and it just, that's why I am I I think I'm grateful for the pandemic because it kind of like made me realize this is such bullshit, you know? And it's like, it's like not, like it doesn't, um, like I don't feel value like using these things and showing them off, you know? Um, and so I think that, I mean, I think that all this stuff just really does have like that profound, like ability to like either make you feel obligated, to to use it or obligated to have it um Mm -hmm. and then when you start to to ask yourself like well why do i feel obligated to have this china like you know you start to realize how much like emotional baggage you're carrying yeah Yeah, right like i'm carrying all this like all this like emotional shit from like my husband's family and his grandmother and his parents (laughs) And it just, it builds up. And when you start to say, you know what? I don't want to have this fucking China in my house. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's too much. I have to clean it, yeah. I have to keep it, I have to store it. It's like, it makes me feel like I'm obligated to entertain people when I have kids and I've got other stuff in my life. Like when I, when you start to like look at your stuff and, and. I don't want to be like cliche with the whole Marie Kondo thing, but when you start to look at it in terms of whether or not like it adds emotional value to your life, like it feels so much better to be like, you know what? No. (laughs) You know, and 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 I feel like um, Daniel, back to what you were saying about millennials, you know, younger generations are less attached to their stuff. And I don't know if it's a product of just like the world that we live in, um, you know, the generation at like my kids, uh, my daughter in particular, who's 17, her like group of friends, I mean, they, a lot of them lost their homes in in a fire and they lost everything. So they don't ascribe like emotional value to their things anymore because right. they've lived through such like a different, you know, um, you know, relationship with stuff than we have you know with stuff they had and they lost mm-hmm. and um i just i i think it's so tied okay. like you like you said uh it's such a good point about the psyche you know and how it's just it's so psychological um and so for myself now with you know shopping for christmas i'm trying to really like not fall back into those old habits too, you know, and yeah. I just I just read um you were you were mentioning that you feel like this year maybe things have changed but I read that it's like two billion dollars are expected to be spent um online over the next day and I'm just like my god what you could do with that money you yeah. know and I and I worry that like as a culture we're falling back into those um, you know, behaviors, you know, and, and 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 what is it gonna do for our psychological
0: you know? Yeah, I I really yeah. wonder the same the same exact thing. And you know proponents of capitalism are constantly saying, well, it's great at producing things. And I'm like, yeah, but it produces way too much things. It's in excess. It's wasteful. Yeah. We have things that we don't need. And we have millions of people that don't have just basic necessities that they need, because there are other people that exist in our society that have excesses, of goods, basic material goods. Yeah. Yes. It's gross taj what do you think about consumerism and the relationship with the american people
1: i think uh you know in my opinion i think that consumerism isn't the issue kind of kind of like similar to what daniel said it it's not that the consumerism factor it's the i'm better than you factor i think that's the problem that we're facing because consumerism culture isn't bad but the "I'm better than you" culture is what's killing us. You know what I mean? Like, I would I'm argue. I would argue that be that's better a than
0: byproduct you. of consumerism, though. What happened? I would argue that that's a symptom of consumerism. Like, that's a byproduct that follows it.
1: Well, yeah, I, think- I mean, because it does produce things. I mean, but at the same time, if everyone can attain those things, and it, it wouldn't be a nice thing. It wouldn't be like, oh, I'm better than you now because it's like I can have it too. I, th- I think he
3: more meant capitalism than consumerism. Like the, the idea to make and be able to build your own wealth is, isn't a bad thing and the ability to be able to buy stuff, but the drive to push you to need to consume to be better than other people.
1: Yeah, that's what I was trying to say is, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, like I'm gonna buy this hat because it's better than your hat, or I'm gonna buy this car to look flyer than you, you know? And it's just like, those. that's the problem that we have in, in society is is the i'm better than you factor if it wasn't for that and everybody could attain the same things narcissism it wouldn't, it wouldn't be an issue you know
0: yeah
4: okay I but, but that goes
1: back to how daniel said that um millennials are the first generation to not have a second set of plates in the house to impress guests it's like we don't feel the need to impress people like and i'm sure that's the same thing you know <laughs> older gen z it's the same thing it's like we don't care about impressing that yeah
0: that's not you. even a concept to me like we don't like, even I can, care. can't can even like, afford okay me. great yeah
1: like you you got a great job you work fucking 40 hours get paid a hundred dollars an hour that's great bro mm-hmm. good for you like <laughs> we wish you well but we're not <laughs> like, we're here trying to impress hella people right so i, I kind of understand that but i also understand that it is, it is a part of our culture that's deeply embedded in our psyche. Like you were just saying to, um, an American culture in particular, but I know a lot of people that still think like that because you know, they grew up in situations where, yeah, like they were poor and, you know, they have broken homes and shit. So it's like, that was kind of like their go-to avenue of like being like, yeah, like, I'm going to, I'm going to have the fly shoes tomorrow. I'll do this dude you know and it's like that's something that's like deeply embedded in that sort of culture
0: you know because yeah 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 all of a sudden oh yeah what did you have to say heather
2: well no i was gonna say that taj uh just made a good uh uh point about how it's so embedded it's like i feel like for like my husband and myself were like older millennials. Yeah. he's So he's 40 and I'll be 40 next year. So we're like the last, you know, like year. And I feel like there's a push and a pull, you know, like we feel yeah. like pulled by like, you know, family and what the family wants and what the family does. Or we go to like a family party and everybody is like rolling up in their new cars and, um and then we also like but then we leave and we're like god we feel so gross you know like yep. this is not like who we are and we don't give a shit, you know
5: mm-hmm. um
2: and then i also feel like there's a tendency um like among our peers to kind of put it on our kids too you know
4: we're like
2: we're like now it's like oh well i bought my daughter you know a, a Benz, and i bought my son you know, um, uh, 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 whatever, you know, um, I don't, I'm not, I don't really know a lot about cars. So, you know, my kids are like, yeah, you know, my daughter's like, yeah, I share, I share a car with my mom and my grandpa. <laughs> yeah. You know, Cause we don't give a shit, mm-hmm. you know, but then when we go to like, you know, a, a birthday party or whatever, like a cousin rolls up in her, you know her least bmw and she's like 16 and then there's that like pullback where where we're like oh well should we be you know should we be getting her her own car too you know it's like i don't give a shit. but then there's that pull so yeah
1: i like that heather that's really a good point there because it it starts it starts at the small levels like that with family where it's like Mm -hmm even just family even just rolling up to a family function it's like oh like i want to impress like the parents and show them that i'm like like if you meet a girl right and like let's say you meet a girl for the first time and or not for the first time but you're with this girl for a while and then you meet her parents like you don't want to make slightly good impression right Mm -hmm. like yeah culture yeah good impression that's what we've been told our whole lives is, right.
3: And I think that the problem is that making a good impression has been conflated from because you're a good person to because you have nice
0: things. Yep. Yep. You're right. Right. Like one of the first questions that you get is like, Oh, what do you do for a living? Exactly. Exactly. I was just telling you about that the other day. Yeah.
3: And
2: That's it's true. funny. I'm oh, sorry. That's true. It's funny that you say that because, you know, I grew up in Chicago and it's a totally different culture there. <laughs> and after like, 10 years, we took a trip back and um, I think it was exactly 10 years after I graduated high school. And I like, you know, met up with like friends at the bowling alley or whatever, you know, like stupid, like typical Midwest thing. And I go and I show up and I'm, you know, like wearing this like cute, like, Oh, Hey, I'm from California. <laughs> yeah. And all these people that like, I knew when I was younger are like, what the what? And then I kept asking, like, you know, like spouses of friends, like, oh, so what do you do? You know? Um, <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then finally, like, one So like, natural. My friend, yeah, my, yeah, my friend Kelly, her husband was like, it's just a job, man. Like, <laughs> like, it's just a job, you know, and then I and that's when I started to realize, like, God, it's so like. Why do we talk about that? Like, do I have? Do do people have no more value than what they do or what they have? You know.
0: I'm not the like, uh, you know. I I I got to go to the office. Yeah.
3: You no, know, but that's that's exactly what we've been been reduced to is yeah. our labor, what we what we produce, what what what, what do we do. Offer? do. Right, yeah. right. What. You're, again, your your value and your worth is not determined off of who you are as a person or what you provide to your community, but where do you work? How high up the ladder have you climbed? You know, because okay. not everybody has to be a manager. Not yeah. everybody has to be a corporate CEO. Like that's not everybody's jam. And no matter no matter where you want to work, as long as you're happy, you're being paid well, and you're not being abused. If you don't want to climb up, like. <laughs> So be it. Yeah. Like you, you, you found your happy place. Like, um, but it's again, it's that 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 constant drive to need more, better, more, better, more, better. Or you're nothing. And so we we really need to detach our self worth from our jobs, from our finances, and from from our houses, our cars, our material stuff, and and just really start looking at people as 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 people. And and uh, not that you can't make a good impression or or want to look good for somebody's family but that's in about being clean and like well dressed but well dressed doesn't mean money it just means it's ironed and put together well mm-hmm. right like there's we need to you know just really shift the paradigm of, of of what is normal and what's acceptable and what what it means to look good or, or or put on a good impression um and i think that uh like you know and i think it's funny because like i keep seeing like like repeat like stand up show after stand up show after stand up show about how awful millennials are but I think that in a lot of ways we are going to be responsible for changing the game in a lot of ways from from healthcare to education to economics how we dress how we get married I mean I'm wearing a silicone ring yeah like, like what that's that's another thing these marriage and and wedding traditions where you have to spend a small fortune to to get married and and you have to wear you know get this ring and this fancy dress and do all this stuff and you know we put on our own wedding right here on Wanimi beach my wife and I we rented out the community center and you know, like it was, yeah, we still had to spend some money, but we made our own table decorations with stuff we got from Michael, Mm. right? Like we didn't go spend thousands of dollars on flowers and, and a designer. Um, Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. And it was great.
3: It was a great wedding. It was absolutely a great wedding and we didn't put ourselves into financial destitution to spend a magical day with, with our friends and family. Like, so, I think in so many ways we're we're pushing back on that. and I think it's a a combination of a lot of things. like you said, we've we've lost so much, we've had so much ripped away from us, so much has changed that there really is not that traditional American norm anymore. I mean, we're the school shooting generation, we're the repeated economic collapse generation, we're the forever war generation, we're the nine eleven. like we can't get attached to certain things because so much has changed. And so that's why for us, when when all these older people, especially the the old, when they're just like, oh, let's go back, we're like, no, back is terrible. Yeah, move fuck forward, that. yeah, yeah. Move forward always. Like, stop going backwards. Back was bad. That's what led us to all this terrible shit that we're living through. We need to move forward. <laughs> the problem
0: with society is progress is moving too quickly. Well, <laughs> so my my
1: only my only thing is is that they're not like it's not their fault because that's what worked for them you know, sure. and and it's like, I, I don't blame them because it worked for them. You know, right. it, it's like, oh, like I got a job. I worked 40 hours a week. I could afford to rent a house. At least I could afford to rent if I wanted to buy. The option was there. Yeah, it's right. like it worked and it doesn't work for us. And,
3: and, and that's that's my problem is the disconnect. They're like, well, in my day, I could do that. They yeah fail. number you're, one they fail to realize how drastically things have changed in cost in everything and then also you used to be able to be a one fa- one one person income would support a family of five yeah. you yeah. can't support yourself on a one person income now like unless you're in six figures and so you, you're not you're wrong you're not wrong that you know yeah they you know it works for them but it's their unwillingness to see how see much things it. have changed, yeah. I, no, I and agree with you. Their refusal to allow us to do the things that would put us in a better, in a better footing, and in a better place. Their absolute obstinacy to let us change anything just because that's the way it was in my day. Well, great, Grandpa, it's yeah. not your day anymore, and those <laughs> things don't work. You can't go down to the quarter store and buy your family's groceries for $5. Like you can't even get a gallon of gas for $5 right now. Like, yeah. Come on, you cannot equate that. It's it's not even apples and oranges at that point. It's a banana and a submarine. Like it's not the same thing. And yeah. so it, the, the unwillingness to move forward and also all of, to retire all our 80 year old politicians, like if you were alive during World War II, you should not still be leading our country.
1: Nah. Nope. And it's
3: not an ages thing. It's a times thing. You cannot understand the way things cost, the, how much things cost, and what we have to do to survive. Unless
1: they had to start all over. Right.
2: Yeah. Unless they, it's like they have to have something like drastic happen to them, you know? Right. Like um, my, I think you guys know my dad lives with us and he's 78 and he just like, I think he just like didn't expect to live as long as he has. Okay. And so he used to be like of that group of like, well, in my day, you know, I could, you know, feed us for $30 or whatever. And then um, he started to like have to be confronted with like the rising cost of living and like living more on social security alone um, because of his retirement running out. And then he ended up moving in with us. And it was that like drastic event Mm -hmm. of having to move in with us because it was like you either are going to move in with us or you're going to have to move out of California um, because of the cost of living. And it was that drastic like change that totally changed his mindset. Right. And now. And, and sometimes he'll like, again, like he'll fall back into that. Like, well, you know, Heather in the 1970s I bought my house for a blah, 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 you know? And then like, it's like, it's so funny. Cause when that Means happens, nothing. I'll, I'll remind yeah, him like, well, this is not then. And like, you know, this is how it is now. And you see it like in his face, like he remembers like, oh yeah. like this is a totally different scenario now. And a lot of people, they just, they haven't had like that, you know, that bang shock, you Mm -hmm. know, to them financially, um, for them to be able to wrap their heads around
3: the fact that things are different now.
1: Cause the whole system was engineered for them at that time.
2: Yeah, exactly.
3: Yeah. Right. And no, that that's, that's an excellent point is that, you know, it, it takes them like losing everything or being being put on our level yeah. and the it's it's all of the people talking about what we don't need or how we don't need to raise wages or all of these things are all the ones that have money yeah yeah so so you're right there there are quite a few people in the older generation who are like us unfortunately they're in the minority but it's because they've hit hard life shit and yeah. been knocked off and had to you know they kind of got what is it when you um? that term I um, don't they get knocked down a peg, like it 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 and and brought down to us us normal poor folk level or whatever mm-hmm. that where they had to make hard life decisions about paying rent or or affording their medication or or what what have you and um so yeah and and unfortunately none of the people running our country and making the decisions have run into poor life things like that because they're all yeah. millionaires so.
1: Yeah, it reminds it's me craziness. we're 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 the gen generation lazy that's what
3: but what they say no, that was
1: just yeah
3: no but you- so you're right they say that but then they fail to leave out that or they leave out that we are the first generation in american history to be worse off than our parents we we're also the first generation in american history to need two to three jobs to survive
0: and have a family
3: probably
2: won't retire
0: millennials yeah. is also that um uh, most educated generation in American history, and they're yeah, the poorest. I'm That's the youngest fact. millennial
1: generation. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. the youngest part of millennials. Yeah, generation. yeah,
0: you are. Um, I'm are. very much the oldest. I'm, I'm right at the edge <laughs> of Gen Z. Yeah, I'm so millennials
3: like, is basically <laughs> 80s and the and the like very early like I think 92 is like yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But uh, we're also, uh, as uh, while we're throwing this uh, generational stuff out there, uh, Rational National David Dole did a wonderful piece on Charlie Kirk freaking out because we are the gayest generation in American history. Uh, because while, while only 15% of millennials identify as being proud Americans, 30% of millennials identify as being on uh, the LGBTQ spectrum
0: fully automated luxury space, gay space communism. <laughs> Brandon, what did you have to say about the relationship between consumerism and the American populace? You haven't talked in a while. Oh damn. I forgot. Are you still with I was, us? I was
4: just <laughs> listening to you guys. You guys just had a lot of good points. So was just listening and enjoying the ride.
0: <laughs> okay, perfect. So uh, do you have any thoughts or can I move on?
4: Um, I could say like two things. So uh, consumerism, uh, wait, what was the question again?
0: Sorry. Um, I was asking about what you thought um, about the relationship between consumerism and the American populace.
4: Relationship. Um, um, I The relationship to me is definitely a lot of stress. I feel like consumerism puts a lot of stress on people to, like you were saying, to keep up with the Joneses or to at least put the, the allure that you're better off than you're not. Going back to the whole two plates thing. Um, yeah, a lot of us don't really care to have two plates, but at the same time, a lot of us also can't afford to have a second set of China ware. even like if not even something we can think about,
1: I can't even afford to have a second gallon of gas.
4: Absolutely. Yeah. So I am not necessarily pro having to piss on the things, but I'm also not against having a few things like Daniel was saying, like having nice things doesn't mean that you're wasteful. You can have nice things. If you want a second set of China for when people come over just for a little extra, then sure. That doesn't mean that you're wasteful. Having like 18 sets that you do nothing with that's wasteful. So um, consumerism adds a lot of stress for sure. Cause we always need to be getting like more, 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 better, 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 better. And then we don't have enough money to feel all that and I don't have enough bandwidth to keep up with that. Like, I don't need that crap. Like, I can't keep up with my neighbors that I'm not going to pretend I'm going to. So I don't need that added stress. So that's the only thing I wanted to add because everything else that's been said has been like on, on spot on. So yeah. Oh, really well said. Thank you. Yeah.
0: So in college, I took an art course and studied Andy Warhol, the Campbell Soup Can paintings from the early 60s. <clears throat> and warhol's paintings of the soup cans in 1962 were actually inspired by american consumerism specifically the way the cans were perfectly arranged on the shelves waiting for hungry customers to grab them and purchase them warhol noticed them perfectly aligned in a way that would that would inspire americans to consume on a mass scale the artistic style of the soup cans became known as pop art which was an artistic movement that developed in the mid to late 1950s in the US and UK. What we're talking about right now is the origins of American consumerism. This came out of the post-war period in the 1940s and early 1950s. After World War II, American experienced a massive economic growth spurt, and so consumerism really took off. Um, artists such as Warhol noticed that the environment around you started becoming the canvas. So you could paint things like mundane objects such as soup cans, and that would be seen as having um, artistic value. And that was the first time that had ever been done before. Time Magazine described the point of view as of the pop artists as, quote, a group of common painters that have come to the common conclusion that the most banal and even vulgar trappings of modern civilization can, when transposed to canvas, become art. The pop art movement emerged out of a post-war society that was completely obsessed with consumerism. Actually, I wanted to play a short clip from the movie Fight Club, when Brad Pitt is talking about advertising and consumerism. Um, I'm not sure if you guys have seen that movie, but it's a classic. Oh, yeah. movie. All right, uh, I'm just gonna play Absolute the classic. just gonna play the audio. So give me one moment. <clears throat> we don't talk about Fight Club.
3: <laughs> <laughs> My wife was just watching that the other night too. It's really
0: funny. Perfect. Um, yeah, just just give me a couple of seconds. I'm gonna load the audio right now. <clears throat> yeah, it's really a speech about what modern life is all about. Can you guys hear it?
4: Yeah. God damn it, an entire generation pumping gas, waiting tables, slaves with white collars. Advertising has us chasing cars and clothes, working jobs we hate so we can buy shit we don't need. We're the middle children of history, man. No purpose, no place. We have no great war. No Great Depression. Our Great War is a spiritual war. Our Great Depression is our lives. We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars, but we won't. We're slowly learning that fact. And we're very, very pissed off.
0: fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's some good shit, huh? Yeah. Yeah, that's completely uh, on point. So moving on to a different topic. Actually, yeah, go ahead, Daniel.
3: So two things. One, that's absolutely apt. And I think that what's awesome about that is I think that perfectly encapsulates what we were just talking about, about Gen X, and how they were raised by, you know the 50s generation of boomers that had everything modern conveniences and everything life was easy life was grand um and so they were pushed to do the same things and so i think that they've like while they're not gen x hasn't hasn't you know quite been able to buck what what we have that i think that perfectly describes them they've been pushed to 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 con like the, like you said the constant consumerism and something that that's just reminded me of um with the warhol stuff in the 19 1930s and 40s also in the 1960s 60s sorry um it's uh same time period of with this with this great american economy and the and the booming period um and this push for for modern advertising as we know it um toothpaste i found out like it's 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 existed since the early 19 since the 1800s but the 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 modern toothpaste um uh giant that we know where it's this, the, the model where it's got an entire aisle of stuff now it was all put together by a gentleman who was uh an advertising dude who was trying to figure out how to get this guy to mark to, to sell this company's toothpaste and they convinced people that when you could feel that film on your mouth that you needed to brush your teeth and so that plus in the commercials i don't know if you noticed, they put this like massive doll like 10 times more toothpaste than you need so not only are they telling you something about your natural body that you could just wipe off or like in it, it, like the, the book that I was reading about it said you could do something as simple as like eat an apple and it would remove the film just as well. So it's a natural occurrence of your mouth, but they convinced people in commercials that that was bad and would make you need to go brush your teeth. And so that plus then, you know, how they tell us how much to use and stuff like that, like. I remember I was blown away when I found out for laundry detergent, again, you only need to like use a quarter of what they show in commercials when they fill up a full cup and throw it in. It's because they want you to use more than you need so that you go back and buy more, this, this constant need for more and more and more. Um, it's 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 insane the levels and the lengths that, that, that advertising goes through to dupe us into buying things and where it becomes, again, it, it built into our psyche, a norm that if you don't have these things or if you're not doing these things, you're not you're
0: not normal yeah no I completely agree that's that's really on point um it reminded me of this concept that I was actually telling Taj about because Taj is a big music guy being a musician I was telling him that grunge music actually came out of Generation X and the reason being is because Gen X was the first generation in American history that made less money than their parents so grunge music was a rebellious um response to teenagers that were angry at the material conditions that existed in the country.
2: You know, I also think that getting back to though, you know, Warhol and that, you know, that 1950s, 1960s like era of advertising is I think we also have to remember who they were really marketing to. They were marketing to people that had survived the Great Depression. Mm -hmm. And anybody that knows somebody, you know, like my grandparents, they lived through the Great Depression. And a lot of those people, like they were so compelled by something like, you know, images of soup cans, because they remembered, you know, uh, not and not having food. And so it created that kind of like emotional, Again, like that psych, you know, that psychological, emotional conne- connection to like those items and, you know, like my grandparents, like they they, before they died, they had a home up near Yosemite and you would go there and they would have so much food and i would be like grandma and grandpa like why do you have so much food it's just the two of you it was instinctual for them to just have so much food because they had that you know that experience of trauma from not being able to access food during the great depression now look at now today you know i'm looking at like i was saying with the cyber monday people are going to spend 2 billion dollars or whatever and when you look at how much people are are spending like i think i i was texting you guys that i got stuck out by the outlet mall yesterday and i could not believe how many people oh, were yeah. there and it was like i'm i'm asking myself are we like turning into that generation again of people who you know couldn't access our toilet paper for a couple months, you know? Or we had a hard time, uh, you know, finding the things we needed at the grocery store for, and it was such a short period of time, but like, we seem to be more impatient now too, you know? And so I'm wondering, like, are people gonna go back to that too much, you know? I mean, I could not believe how many people I mean, I've seen Black Fridays before and that was like, I had never seen before ever, you know? Um, And, and $2 billion is a lot of money that could do a lot. Yeah, (laughs) And, and, and you ask yourself, like, are we going back to that? Are we going to go back to that hoarding?
1: We are, we are, we're going to go back there. I know we are. And the reason why is because it's going to take a lot more than one year or two years of like fucked up shit. To change people's minds and to change people's behaviors and patterns that they've known their whole lives. So,
3: well, and I think I think it's a reaction too. Like I think we're we're because we we had nothing. People are kind of going crazy now. It's like it's the same thing. Like as soon as restrictions started lifting, like everybody was out doing like crazy. Like the burnout of of not being able to and being so restricted. And also, I would say Heather, there's still a lot of like boomers and Gen Xers out there too. Like so, yeah. Some 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 were definitely millennials at Black Friday, but I think that our generation is is even though a portion of us might be um, totally bought into and swept up into the um, the consumerism, I still think as as a whole, overall uh, as a generation, we aren't gonna gonna fall into that because we just don't even have the means to to do so, even if we if we wanted to.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I I think. The, the reason I'm saying that we are is because we are like, you know, like, not me, not you, not you, but I mean, we the, as, the like,
0: collective,
1: as a collective, as yeah. a society. And yeah, not so much millennials and not so much Gen Z, but I know a good majority of people would go out to Black Friday to shop to get things if they had the yeah. money to do it, you mm-hmm. know? And I mean, those are people my age and younger. But it, it's just like you were saying, like it's a it's a psyche thing, where
0: you need a shift. Like, hey, you need a shift. I need, to look, in a I
1: need to look good. I need to like throw on some new shoes. I need to have like a new car. I need to fucking look good. Like that. That's that's a psyche thing.
0: You know yeah, what I mean? Man. There has and, to be a um, a collective shift. Yeah. In the um consciousness of the american people like on a deep on a deep scale that that permeates across a large majority of the population but
1: it also it's also it's also different in different places like in some places it's like yeah yeah for sure that's the culture it's like i want to look fly i want to look good like you know, because I don't have shit. So I, I mean, honestly,
0: we're a stone's toss from Los Angeles. That's the king that's, of materialism. Yeah,
1: that's California. Well, yeah, culture. that's, that's <laughs> the materialism. I, I'm talking about like just simple things, like having like a fresh T-shirt, okay. having like you know like some nice new shoes. Like even just that, for you know a lot yeah. of people, it's hard to fucking get. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's like it is, and it's like so. Just having that makes you feel good. It's like, damn, like I got a nice new pair of shoes. I got a nice new t-shirt. Like just something that simple.
0: Right, because people know? are struggling and, so much. Like you feel like yeah. if you just, I mean, I know. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I feel the same way. Like if I just have my essentials met, I feel good because I know that there are so many people that are completely left out and have nothing.
1: Yeah. There's people that don't even have food in their in their fridge and, and can't afford to go out to eat.
0: Yeah. And
1: it's like
0: Yeah. I mean, y- you go to you go to downtown LA, you spend any amount of time there and it'll just break your heart.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right there in Skid Row. Yeah, I know right where yeah. that is. So. Seeing
0: single mothers just like walking across the street with their children, like no food, just begging for begging for water. It's yeah. it's it's horrific. There's no reason this should exist in the United States of America.
3: No, absolutely
0: none. And uh Brandon says he's at he's at one percent, he's gonna cut out. Oh, okay. Got it. Um, Did you guys have any other final thoughts on consumerism or can I move on to mutual aid? Here to go. You're
1: good.
0: Cool. (laughs) So mutual aid is a form of political participation in which people take responsibility for caring one another to change political conditions. The term was coined by the legendary anarchist author, Peter Kropotkin in his collection of essays, which were titled mutual aid, a factor of evolution. Kropotkin argued that cooperation, not competition, was a driving mechanism in evolution. He came to this conclusion while recording and observing various species in the wild. Kropotkin, besides being an anarchist writer, was also a trained ecologist. The theory of mutual aid stood in stark contrast to social Darwinism, which emphasized a survival of the fittest mentality. The theory was adopted by capitalists as a means of justification for the elite few to have so much more than everybody else. This also extended into imperialism, and along with that, the extraction of resources, which I do touch on in my episode on Cuba and Hawaii. But in addition, it also inspired the concept of Manifest Destiny, which led to a direct genocide of Native Americans as white settlers pushed further west. They were also, of course, aided by the head of the state, President Abraham Lincoln, who signed the Homestead Act into law in 1862. Also, fun fact, Charles Darwin never actually said survival of the fittest. Did you guys know that? That was Herbert Spencer. Not only did Darwin not say the phrase survival of the fittest, he actively argued against it. Interesting. See, Darwin agreed with Kropotkin's theory that the evolutionary development of a species was dependent on the species ability to not only adapt to its environment, but work with members of its same species. Kropotkin understood that species needed to work collectively. Otherwise, they were never going to be able to evolve uh, evolve because they would kill themselves off. According to Dean Spade, an associate professor at Seattle University School of Law, and a scholar of the mutual aid movement, mutual aid is a term to describe people giving each other needed material support, trying to resist the control dynamics, hierarchies, and system-affirming oppressive arrangements of charity and social services. And some of the ways that mutual aid is different from charity, according to Dean Spade, because I want to make it clear, charity and mutual aid are not the same thing. Charity typically relies on a two-way relationship. So you have to get something in return for, the chari- for you to receive the benefits of the charity. Mutual aid is different than that. You simply give people what they need without expecting anything back in return. So according to Dean Spade, an understanding um, that is the system, not the people suffering under it, that creates poverty, crisis, and vulnerability. Governance controlled by people who are most affected can mean having a membership base of those that are most affected or being formed in ways that ensure those providing the aid are from the same group as those giving the aid or models that allow allies to participate but focus on accountability to those that are being served. There's a transparency in this about how they work. Any money that they use or manage, um, many mutual aid projects are not funded and are volunteer run. There are open meetings and pathways for new people to join and participate political education within the organization to help those working in the project to expand their awareness of experiences that are not their own to build a sense of solidarity and to make the project supportive and welcoming to marginalized people humility and a willingness to accept feedback about how to make the project more useful to the people it serves there's a long-term commitment to provide the aid the project works on and um, there's a connection to in solidarity with other mutual aid projects and other transformative work there's also a commitment to dignity and self determination of people that are in need or in a serious sense of crisis and lastly a consensus that is based on decision-making rather than majority rule getting back to That oppressive, coercive, um, hierarchical structure that can persist within charity organizations. That was a lot of words. (laughs) But in a sense, that's what mutual aid is, and that's how it differs from charity. Um, Do you guys have any experience working in mutual aid organizations or projects within the community? And would you like to talk about some of them? Heather, Daniel.
2: I I do not have any experience working in mutual aid, but I have a lot of experience working in charity. And I can tell you that the thing that really became apparent to me over the years that I did it was, um, like you were talking about how you, you had like, people that give to charity, they expect something in return, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And it could be as big as like, you know, you go to like a charity league event, you know, and people want a big banquet, you know, a food laid out for them and auctions and um, to as small as just, they want, you know, recognition. And I think that um, that sort of perpetuates like um that classism kind of thing you know like the i'm better than you Mm -hmm. you know i'm giving a charity i remember one time um some people i knew from high school they like they were out at to eat or whatever and they ran into a homeless person and they bought them some shoes or something like that and they posted this long thing on facebook about it and it was so like ostentatious, like, oh, look at us and how benevolent we are. And we've given all this stuff to this homeless man. And if it weren't for us, he would not have shoes. And it's like, I feel like there, therein lies the distinction for me between mutual aid and charity. Mm-hmm. And so in experiencing, you know, dealing with like charities and, you know, cause like churches do a lot of charity. and. Right um and you know i grew up catholic and um i just uh i i there is that sense of of you know return but actually on the note of churches there are so many churches that like they call it charity right
5: Mm -hmm. but they
2: don't expect anything in return like as an example the catholic charity there's an organization called saint vincent de paul society Mm -hmm in the Catholic church. My dad is really involved in the Catholic church. And St. Vincent de Paul, they gather like, you know, clothing or, or money or whatever. And I mean, if you're having like a hard time paying your rent or your electric bill or your water bill or whatever, you can go to them, whether you're Catholic or not, and give them your bill and they'll just pay it for you. And they expect nothing in return. You know, and so I feel like there are like those types of organizations that they call it a charity,
0: you know, but it's actually like mutual aid.
2: But it really is mutual aid, and then you, but you look at it and you're like, okay, well, so it's affiliated with a church, and the church is, you know, full of, you know, wealthy, you know, like right up the hill at Padre Sarah, they have a St. Vincent de Paul. Do you really think that if the majority of people that went to the church at the Padre Sarah Like, do you really think they'd be okay with the church just giving over money like that to people, whether they're Catholic or not? No, No. (laughs) they would not. So it's like, they, they still even have to bill it as this charitable, Mm -hmm. we're helping these poor people, or they don't talk about it. Like, I didn't know that St. Vincent de Paul existed until probably like the last 10 years when my dad started volunteering with them. And that's the only reason I start, they, they don't even talk about it, you know, um, because it is that mutual aid kind of thing instead of, instead of a charitable, you know.
0: Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's, that, I'm really glad that you brought that up, Heather, because I, they're, they're consistently conflated. And, you know, as an anarchist that practices mutual aid, this, this bothers me because you need to clear this up. You need to make sure that people are using these terms correctly. <clears throat> Daniel, do you have experience with mutual aid in the community?
3: Yeah, so um, a variety of them, actually. um, But the the one that I've been um, so there's two there's, so give a little shout out to the to the more uh, organized, uh, organized uh, entity one, food share, food share of Ventura County is, um, I don't know, I don't know at the highest levels if it's, you know, not getting anything back for it. But the people that run the events on the ground, um, like there's every Wednesday at Oxnard College, there's a food bank, um, and it's been going on for almost two years now. They started uh, last um, April, I think, after after everything shut down, um, because they saw such a need in the community that the food banks were, um, you know, inundated. There was there was more need than they could meet, and so Food Share stepped in, and instead of because food share just used to take the food to the pantries and then the pantries would hand it out food share stepped in and saw the need and they set up all throughout the county sites where you could drive up they would put the food in your trunk and you drive away so it was covid safe and um all you had to be was a, a member of the community you didn't show have to, have to show your income you didn't have to agree to give up anything or go to any meetings um and it's it's a super awesome organization and and group of people that do the the local work for that Um, And then on the side from that, you know, not organized, completely doing it all on her own. Um, I work with a a wonderful person named Nicolette Walker who um, runs Surge Ventura County. And the last Sunday of the month, we do, um, I've been doing it with her for the last, I think like eight months now, a community care event in Oxnard at a park behind OPAC Theater, Oxnard Performing Arts Center. So it's the last Sunday of every month from 12 to 2. Um, we make uh, hot food and make um, hot plates for people. There's a table full of clothes, shoes, blankets, as well as hygiene packs, and then canned foods, um, beans, milk, all, all the... And when people come up, we don't ask them any, anything other than, what do you need? We give them bags and we tell them to take everything that they want. Because another thing that also happens is, you'll show up and, and you'll see like, oh, well, you can only take one. And you know, I get to an extent where you want to make sure that there's enough for everybody at the event or whatnot, but I love Nicolette's mentality that, you know, just as people in general, but also the, the homeless and, and the marginalized are so police in their activity that, like, why can't she take two packs of wipes? Like you know you have a home to go to, and you're right. telling this person who doesn't know when she might get a bath or be able to, to to you know clean herself or get get wipes again, you're telling her she can't take two why we're not yeah we're
0: not in a position to make that kind of calculation because we don't know necessarily what everybody needs everybody has different individual needs right and so so that is that is the so those are the two mutual aids that i've been been a part of for for
3: most of this year now one um through an organization but they they got funding through they made the county fund everything and they've got donors as well but so you know there's food share and then there's surge venture county who like i said last sunday of every month does no questions asked. You show up, you get a hot plate, um, and uh, we end up serving over a hundred community members uh, at, at least every, on the last Sunday of every month. So um, the the need is definitely still there, and and there's there's some good mutual aid things happening in our community. That's that's one thing that is great about Ventura County is the community really comes together um, as best they can to to support one another here. And it's not perfect, and there's still some things, but when the people pull together, we really get some stuff done.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing. Uh, Do you guys know what a community fridge is? Yeah, they're awesome. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so just for the listeners, a community fridge is a refrigerator that's in a public space that's full of non perishable goods. And the purpose of it is so people in the community that are food uh, scarce, can come and get food whenever they need it and it also eliminates the stigma or at least helps eliminate the stigma of people that suffer from food shortages you can come in and get as much food as you need and there's a consistent food source for people that need it and it's a it's a great example of a mutual aid project that could be implemented across the board
3: absolutely so, there's a go ahead. there's a there's a couple right here there's there's a new one being built in Satikoi, there's one in west ventura and i think there's one in east ventura as well oh I know. Of. yeah
2: and i was gonna say in camarillo the um the senior center whenever they have like bingo or you know their tai chi and shit like that mm-hmm. they they do in like an ad hoc one where they set out stuff for anybody that's there, and it's oh, you know nice. fresh. It's like it's like a lot of produce, so it is perishable. But it's like you know apples, oranges, and then canned food and stuff like that. And I think that that was what was so hard for um, here in Camarillo during the pandemic was when those things were shut down. They didn't yeah. have that that you know multiple times per week event where people could go and get their food. And the city or the parks district did do like a food share kind of thing um for last for a few months last year and then it stopped. And now they've started it up again, but they're means testing it. Yeah. No. Oh. You have Stop to apply, it. You have to get approved. Yeah, that's not mutual in. aid. No. And it's and it's it just it just destroyed the program you know um and it's you know joe biden got a
0: hold of it (laughs) means testing
3: destroys everything making somebody prove to
0: you how destitute they are is dehumanizing and unnecessary
3: yeah
0: exactly yeah i mean one of the biggest things that pissed me off there's a lot of things believe me that pissed me off during the pandemic but one of the things that pissed me off the most was just the hoops that they made people go through yeah, with the most basic things like to get unemployment assistance to make sure that you didn't lose your fucking health care during right. the middle of a health crisis, like the most basic things that people had to do just to have those like safety nets above them. It's ridiculous.
2: And and I just read that with the unemployment, they are, they're going back and requiring gig workers and self-employed um, people, self-employed, you know, whatever, writers or artists or theater people, they're requiring them to go back now and prove that they deserved the money. I just read this the other day in Cal Matters, And so all of these people are gonna have to go back to Prove that they deserved it. And if they if EDD or the federal government determines that they didn't deserve it, they're gonna send them the bill with a 30% payback of interest.
4: <laughs> That's so disgusting. Just, it's so it is oh so God. fucking
2: disgusting. And I read and I read this article in Cal Matters about it because they were interviewing these people that were like, um, so this was a gut punch that i have to do this number one yeah like i'm just getting back on my feet like a musician i think was interviewed and he was saying i just got back on my feet and like i'm you know and now i'm gonna have to prove that i deserve the money and he was like and then i have to have all this anxiety that like i'm gonna get a bill with 30 percent interest you know right. for for what. For what EDD decides, I and and look at how much money EDD allowed people to steal, you right. know, yeah. Um, and then, like you said, Jordan, um, like I've seen people that still haven't gotten their claims paid out. Yeah, you right. know,
3: that went Quick through go.
2: so many hoops.
3: Yeah, and they cut everybody off too. The the yeah. the extra ran out in September, and um, I was on just regular state unemployment. I wasn't even on the 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 COVID unemployment and um it ran out and they were like you're done and i was like but i still don't have a job and (laughs) and they were like oh that's too bad (laughs)
1: yeah quick note if they would have listened to bernie there wouldn't have been as much fraud
3: all of it yes everything you say i mean
0: there's a california couple right now that's currently on the run from the fbi for stealing 20 million dollars in covid funds
2: I saw that and they sent like a goodbye letter to their children
0: yeah have <laughs> <laughs> wow. fun but, we're but, gonna take but, all the money goodbye right yeah, but
3: sorry, they're kids. gonna they're gonna edd is more worried about you know that that musician that that used the money to pay his rent yeah yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. go get a job yeah. right. lazy bums <laughs> Yeah, stupid. I see
2: for hire signs signs everywhere. You know, like that's the thing that just really pisses me off when I see people like say that on Twitter or whatever, because it's like, fuck you. Like, okay, so McDonald's is hiring. Like, whatever. This person was being paid like forty dollars an hour before. What is like... McDonald's
1: not hiring?
2: Yeah. I, yeah. Exactly. <laughs>
1: like okay or talk
2: about yeah i know yeah or target like i don't think i've ever driven past target and not seen that stupid little like uh you know yard sign that they have like in every island about being a, how they're hiring it's like you yeah, know they're always hiring yeah
1: they just over exaggerated it this year yeah oh and also there was some paperwork too that came out recently that um employers were saying that they were hiring just so they don't have to pay back the PPP loans that they were. Um, yeah. yeah, because as long as they're saying they're hiring, they're they're in the uh what the fuck they're in the qualifications to not have to pay it back.
3: Yes, there, there's a lot of fraud going on with businesses. And then not only that, because they wanted the unemployment to end so that we would be desperate and go back for whatever wages they were willing to yeah. offer us. And we're not not taking that bullshit anymore. So, you know, I think that, you know, kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier about the massive societal shift that we need. And while Taj is right, it's not not complete. I think that last year was a huge, huge piece of it that a lot of things have been blown wide open. So I mean, now people have had basically state-run healthcare because they didn't have to pay for their COVID tests. They didn't have to pay for their COVID treatment. They didn't have to pay for their COVID vaccines. How can you justify paying for that as a government, but not cancer? Yeah. Like what, like what, so what, what is the correlation? So they've, a lot of things like that, where now you will see people who never before would have argued that the government should pay for, or provide any type of health care who are now more open to it. And so things like that, um, and yeah, this, this is, so the, the employee employer, the power dynamic has definitely been shifted these, you know, we've been told for so long that they can't afford to pay more. Not only were us us refusing to go back to work, making them offer us more money, um, but it also blew the doors off of their lies about how small businesses can't afford to pay $15 an hour. Cause there's an ice cream shop that as soon as he started offering $15 an hour, he got over 100 applications in 24 hours and it was fine. It didn't hurt his bottom line. What hurt his bottom line was not having employees to fill ice cream cones with, with ice cream so yeah. mm-hmm. they're realizing that we are not going to come back and take this bullshit anymore not only are we not coming back but then all the strikes that are happening the john deere success that just happened the other day the new york taxi cab strike that won like oh my god it's amazing what we're showing up and doing um and we're we're just beginning so i i think that the societal shift while not complete by any means has begun yeah that's absolutely begun um because like like you said heather there's people that were making 40 dollars an hour they're not going to go back number one and they're not going to go back and take they're not going to take a minimum wage job especially when they've got like a bachelor's or a master's degree and they're not necessarily going to go back and take that shitty job either where they were miserable i've been explaining this to people a lot recently people over the last two years were happier at home going into debt almost being evicted than they were at their shit job Yep. So, cause people were like, I, I think, uh, I forget who I was talking about this with the other day, but they were like, with unemployment expiring, how are people still living? I think it was you Heather who posted it, was it me. on Twitter. Yeah. And I was like, they just don't give a shit anymore. They'd rather yeah, be in debt. Shit. Shit. Yeah. And so, they'd rather be in so, debt than go back to their bullshit yeah. job. Go ahead, Heather, sorry. So,
2: no, I was gonna say, you know, another thing that I was thinking about when I saw somebody posting about the student loans and how they're, like, coming back for
0: repayment
2: soon. Um, Or maybe it was in that text, you know, about how the student loans are coming back for repayment. It might have been
0: me. I've been talking about that a
2: lot. Yeah. Well, the thing about it, too, you know, there are a lot of people who will still qualify for a deferment because they're unemployed. And, you know, last year people were like, well, if you want a job, just go out and take, you know, a job at McDonald's. Americans want to work, take a $15 job at McDonald's. If you, as soon as you go back to work, no matter how much you're getting paid, your student loans would come back to be repaid. And so it's like, if if you were making $40 an hour before, and you've got student loans for a master's degree or whatever, like you really actually have to hold out for that forty dollar an hour job. You
0: can't just go work at McDonald's. Because oh, yeah. if you go
2: work at McDonald's, how the fuck are you gonna pay
3: for that
0: shit? <laughs> no know, way. You gotta work a hundred hours yeah. a week. Yeah. yeah. And yeah.
3: not only not only that, there that that that's another thing that's been that's been put into question. So people have been put in a position where like again, it's it's better for them to not go get a job. Than to get a job yeah. and on top of that you've got other things like single moms i've got a friend who's a single mom it costs her more in daycare than she can find a job making right now so That's luckily mean. she's able to live at home with she was able to move back in with her mom for a little while but it's it, it doesn't make any sense for her to go get a job because she won't have any money and then she'll be making just enough money that they'll mm-hmm. cut her off of wick
0: yep. Mm-hmm.
2: That's why I don't work because it's like, we have three kids. Uh, one of them would need after school mm-hmm. cause she's not old enough to come home. And, and the younger one, he's only four. I mean, he's about to turn five, you know? Right. And so it was childcare. like, it was like, my husband was like, you know, the amount of money we're going to spend on daycare. I mean, we're going to, you're going to work just to have them in childcare yep you know what the fuck is the point of that you know right. um there are a lot of there's so many and in fact um i mean you get I to be know. there for
0: your children now like you're not yeah. gone at work yeah, 40 exactly. hours a week
2: yeah but but um last year especially like so many women like left the workforce because it was like you know, well, first of all, who the fuck is going to take care of these children if the daycares and the schools are closed? Right. Um, And so there's like now this national like acknowledgement of the fact that school provides more than education. You know, they right. provide childcare yeah. during the day um, for parents to work and if you want if you want to have more people in the workforce, you're gonna have to create solutions yep. so that like their kid can be cared for. Cause mm-hmm. you know, the school day ends at like 2.30, you know? Right. I'm always like, I don't know if you noticed Jordan, like the fucking school lines at like 2.30 yeah. mm-hmm. down the street. It's like, I always get caught in them, but it's like, I, whenever i get caught in them i'm like how the fuck are these people getting off of work in the middle of the afternoon yeah. to go and sit in this line to pick their kids up are they and then yeah. what are they taking their kids because there's no bus service in camarillo either right you have to I, I didn't know that than, yeah you have to live more than five, five miles away from the school and you cannot have Have chosen your school, so like if I wanted to send my kids to a school on the other side of town because it's like a better charter school or whatever, I wouldn't qualify for bus service because that's more than five miles away. Um, That was your choice because it's my choice. But like almost every neighborhood has a school in Camarillo, and there's no bus service for any of those people. Wow! So so everybody has to have somebody who's available at two thirty. And every Thursday at one, because Thursday is an
0: early and early day. One o'clock go, in the afternoon on a weekday, yeah, yeah perfect. And,
2: yeah, to go and leave. And so, like, our situation is like, my husband works in in LA, and so many people work outside of Camarillo. So, you start to say like, if you want more people in the workforce, you're gonna have to start providing more supports for them to do that.
3: Yep. You know and and that and i i can go off on a tangent on this for hours. so stop stop me stop me whenever you want but this has been my whole argument lately that it is in even if to your bones to your core you are a capitalist and believe that our system should exist the, the way that it does if you do not have a workforce that can work for you your businesses will fail if you do not have a healthy educated, well fed workforce, nobody's going to be at your, your business is just going to go out of business. Mm-hmm. If you don't have if these people don't have somebody to watch their kids, they're not going to show up to work for you. If they don't have um, what was the other point? Oh, the other thing is so along with that is you also have to pay us well enough. Because as the as the cost of rent goes up as the cost of gas goes up as the cost of TVs milk, as the cost of things go up, If you want me to be able to keep affording your gizmos and gadgets, your TVs, your cars, you have to pay me enough to do so, or you're no longer going to exist. So I don't even understand. It's in capitalism's best interest to pay us more, give us health care, give us an education, and provide us with child care. Like, what the hell? It's in their own need to survive, to provide these things, and they're still against it i just exactly like
0: we were were talking about consumerism earlier in the episode like that's the entire fucking basis of the american economy like it's just it's so easy to understand you give americans more money they're going to spend it we spend money and even if they did save money that's good too but they're not going to largely the american public wants to spend their money
1: it's not even that they want well i
0: was gonna i was gonna say more too i was gonna say they would largely spend that money on things that they just need, like fixing their car, like their healthcare. Like it wouldn't, yeah. people wouldn't be able to splurge on luxury goods. Some could, but people would just be able to have their needs met. Yeah. Two points. And on you that. know what's, oh.
2: No, go ahead, Heather. You know what's funny about that is that as inflation, this whole inflation thing That's has what been I was going go on, ahead. I've noticed. A lot of people that are more conservative leaning, claiming that it's the stimulus checks that caused inflation, that it was people took their stimulus checks and they spent too much money on TVs and shit and, and created more demand. And that made the boats clog the harbor in Long Beach.
3: And and then the prices went up. I haven't
1: heard that. Oh, my God.
3: So not only is Heather not only is Heather right, but it's not even a conspiracy. I mean, it is because it's it's the the wrongest you could be about everything. But Biden came out and said that the other day that he (laughs) believes his stimulus check caused inflation. So it's not even a conservative made up thing. Even the Democrats are falling into this. And that's like all coming no, from Joe it, Manchin. You,
0: you No, Joe Biden said it. I know, but that originally came from Joe Manchin. He's just parroting his words. Right. But so the craziest thing is
3: that any economist will tell you that the, the the stimulus checks that were sent out last year are the only reason our economy survived anything. Yes. And, and that's
0: the only reason we even fucking got stimulus checks. Otherwise, they wouldn't and, have done that. They had right, to. It,
3: yes. Yes. And it's not that we bought more things, it's because people stopped producing things, so there was less available. It's not because we bought more things, it's because there was less produced. Like OPEC right now won't make more oil because they're rolling in freaking dough. They don't give a shit that we're paying five dollars a gallon yep. because they've got golden plated monkeys and shit. Like they don't care. Yep.
5: The
3: the resources are there, and not that I want us producing more oil anyway, but that was just an example of that the resources are there and they either have stopped producing or refuse to pick up their production Mm -hmm. because they're making money off of it. So no stimulus checks don't hurt the economy. People having money doesn't hurt the economy. People not having money hurts the economy because then we don't buy things. And what happens, it's not. And again, there's this whole they've convinced us that poor people are the problem. Rich people are the problem. When you give a poor person fifty dollars, they're going to go spend forty-nine of it at least, if not fifty dollars and two cents. A yep. poor, a, a rich person, when they save two million dollars in taxes, they're not going to turn around and spend that on anything. If they do, they're going to put it in the stock market and make money without
0: having to pay any taxes on it. It's oh, it's just going to go right in my portfolio.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and what? And what are the poor people? going to spend that $49 on, they're going to, um, they're going to spend it. Yeah. On consumables, you know, they're not going to be spending it on like a yacht. a yacht, or I mean, if they buy a new car, it's going to oh. be like a car that they need to get to work,
5: mm-hmm. right. you know,
2: or I, I was reading stories about people that spent their, um, their stimulus money on more education or starting their own little business, you know, Um, you know, business licensing fees and shit like that, or, or equipment for their business. And, but that, I mean, that allowed people to, uh, (laughs) to, you know, pull themselves up. What is it? By by the bootstraps which is physically nobody likes that nobody likes that though like nobody like like the republicans do not want they didn't want to give that fourteen hundred dollars or whatever to some poor single mom down in los angeles you know so she could start a business like they wanted Mm -hmm. her to spend it on food uh or clothing or to waste it on a new cell phone you know all their right. stereotypes um and 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 then get back to work you know
0: right, right. um but that's not they don't not, want us
2: to
3: better ourselves they
2: need yeah. us to
0: be worker bees stop yeah. Buying, yeah stop buying lattes that's just God. go to work or
2: avocado toast right the whole avocado toast <laughs> shut the fuck up like it's like, so stupid
3: it is so dumb you well know. and it's like you hear on the news they're like oh people put their stimulus money into savings god for fucking bid we have a savings account yeah like that's the worst thing that happened like i used some of my stimulus money to pay off some debt like the last <laughs> one the, the the bless you the golden state stimulus that we got i've got a 2001 honda civic that i bought used that i i was making monthly payments on and i used that to make the last couple payments so I was able to use it to pay off my 2001 with 200000 yeah. out 200,000 miles on it. Um, so I used, I used the stimulus money to pay off some debt. and like that's good. It's not good for the people who are trying to make interest money off of me, but it's good for <laughs> oh, me. Oh no, not-
0: the credit card companies,
3: right? <laughs> if I see one more billionaire landlord or CEO crying on the news, I am going to lose my shit.
0: Who will think of the poor billionaires?
2: i saw a thing the other day that there's a landlord appreciation day yeah. <laughs> what is that we have national boss day too what what i kind of i mean i guess i kind of get the national boss day thing although it's a joke but the landlord thing, national like, boss is every day yeah same with landlord yeah landlord day is every first of the month
0: why do we have a I national men's bullshit. day either men are not fucking oppressed <laughs> yeah like those three, those three days of recognition, we do not need national yeah. landlord day, national boss day and national men's day.
2: It's so <laughs> insulting, you know, because it's like my landlord, like we're, we rent. And, and my landlord is not like doing me a favor by letting me live here, you right. know, by paying so much money to, to live here. And, and, but they take that tone, you know? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um and and they use like a management company and the management company like like a couple months ago we had an electrical problem and uh I called you know the electrician that they dispatched or whatever right um and I and I said I just want to make sure you're going to wear a mask when you come over to my house because I have a 4-year-old and he can't be vaccinated yet and the guy goes I'll wear a body condom. If you want to go that way, it was like, so inappropriate. So I complained to the, to the management company. What an asshole. I know total yeah, asshole. I mean, that's sexual harassment. I'm sorry. But yeah, it anyway, is. um, I, I complained to the management company and they acted like, oh, well, this is the vendor that we use and it's in our best interest that we stick with him. So deal with it. And it what? was like,
0: what yeah, the fuck?
2: I know. But my point is that like, they act like they're doing you this favor by like letting you live here or they're doing you a favor by like following their side of the lease and providing maintenance, you know? Um, And it's kind of fucked up in my view because it's like, I pay a lot of money to live here, you know? Um, And it's that, Again, that like classism, you know, mm-hmm. where, where, like that, they're the landlord class and I'm the renters class, and you know,
3: um, there's a stigma with it, and and it's a mess, you know. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right, and and it's not only a stigma; it's 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 a it's a very classist thing, and it's a mentality. So uh, a perfect example is we we went through this here recently in Oxnard. So, and I'm so proud of Oxnard. I'm so proud of our community. Um, there was a agenda item for rent control to be, uh, initiated in Oxnard in the city of Oxnard. So this was up on the Oxnard city council council. We showed up 80 strong to give public comment on this one agenda item. And I love that one of the callers blasted them because this meeting started at like seven o'clock at night. And it was like the third or fourth agenda item. And so you had farm workers that they know have to get up and go to work at like four o'clock in the morning that want to speak. And so we don't know if that was intentional so that you know uh-huh. people would not show up. Um, but what was awesome is that 80 people did show up and most of us spoke. And one of the guys, uh, I don't know if he was a uh-huh. counselor or moderator, but even said nervously because there's a new law that's passed where they have to give you three minutes of public comment each person. And they cannot, it doesn't matter, they cannot reduce it. And so the guy was like, um, there's 80 of you to speak. And if we, if, you know, each of you at three minutes of pop, we're gonna be here for a few hours. So if you could please keep it brief, but they couldn't actually, you know, cut us. So we spoke and we kept them on that call. It did take us about four hours just to get through that one agenda item. We were on till after midnight, and something that had really upset me was something that was sent out beforehand, and the, the city council didn't send it out. But it was from the West Ventura Business Alliance. And I'll put this woman on blast. Nancy, what's her last name? I can't even remember. Sweet. But she's an absolute ghoul. She's a terrible, awful person. And she put out together this whole presentation about how if we implement rent controls, it won't help poor people. It will actually hurt poor people and help the middle class because then the middle class is going to go buy or go move into the cheaper houses that are rent controlled and steal them from all the poor people. And so her solution was that we need to have people that are wealthier go move into bigger houses to make room for the poor people. And there's, not only are there like 15 problems with this, but you're just a terrible person. Yeah, um, fuck yeah. So, so not only did we speak and you know, all of this, and I thought that that was just a presentation. This woman actually sat and listened to farm workers and agricultural workers and other domestic workers in this community who are living five people to a room mm. and crying while they're telling their story. And she still got on the line and repeated that bullshit. And then landlords are coming on talking about, oh, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna hurt my income if you do this. And my favorite was the last caller. I call her the little old lady from Pasadena. I don't know where she lives, but she was definitely a little old lady. And she got on there and she was like, you know, I hear all these landlords and real estate people talking about how this is going to hurt them and blah, blah, blah. And she said, "But well, correct me if I'm wrong, aren't you all on a fixed 30 year mortgage? Why are you raising our rent every year when your costs aren't going up every year, yeah. you're giving us a sob story, mm-hmm. you're just sucking us dry. You don't have to increase the rent every year. That's a choice that you're doing to exploit people that, you know, don't have any other options. And I'm saying a little bit more than she did, but when she called them out, I was absolutely dying. And the best part is that we took them such to task that at the end of that agenda item, one of the council members, a female, I can't remember her name, stepped up and she said, uh, I propose that we vote on the rent control measure right now. Um, and they voted right then and there, passed it seven to zero. It voted unanimously or it passed unanimously. Um, they're going to implement. They're going to draft the legislation to be proposed or submitted for approval in January going to be a 5% cap on increase um, until 2030. So we actually, the community showed up. We took those assholes to task. We told them. I told them specifically to find their spine and stand up for the people of Oxnard, and uh, they did. And so, hell yeah. But yeah, these people get on there talking about how we we make them so much money. I've paid over two hundred thousand dollars in rent.
5: Holy but shit! But I cannot
3: afford the down payment to buy a home of my own because i have to pay that so i'm building wealth and buying a home for another person yep and then we we can have a whole not- and i gotta go soon. but we could have a whole nother conversation about corporations buying up entire neighborhoods to try and turn us into a permanent renters class
0: yep can you guys yeah can you guys just wait till like 10 30 because i um i just have to talk about expropriation for a bit and then yeah, okay. I, I had some tweets to read out and then we'll cut it there I right. I have to
1: cut out right now, but
0: okay. All right, thanks for joining us, Taj.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right, have a good night. You too, hey, Taj. Do you
0: have All anything? Right. Do you have anything? Okay, never mind. I've been asking you on the but so I'll, I'll hang
3: on as long as I can.
0: Okay. Um, sorry, Danny, you were saying. Uh, no, that that was it. Go ahead. Okay, so Peter Kropotkin lays out in his case for expropriation in the essay from 1886 titled "Expropriation." And according to Kropotkin, expropriation is the seizure and distribution of the wealth and resources of society from the rich, also known as the bourgeoisie, to the working class. This is, of course, an anarcho-communist perspective and interpretation of the concept. And in taking this definition, which I very much do, we can examine expropriation as an initial redistribution of goods and resources by and to the working class. And this is a powerful step in initiating the final goal of eliminating private property which is of course separate from personal property Um, and we'd also seek to eliminate monetary exchange and class division so the reason that i'm bringing this up is because a lot of lefties are falsely equating the smash and grab robberies of high-end retail stores with expropriation for the community and that's pissing me off because it's not only is it nefarious it's just incorrect And I think as leftists, we need to be honest about this. So expropriating goods is about taking resources from like private property sources. We could say like Target or something. If you were to take like medical supplies or water or food or let's say masks, we're in the middle of a pandemic, hand sanitizer, soap, and you were to expropriate that towards the community, that would be a good example of what this means. People that are just going into Nordstrom Rack and grabbing $500 designer shoes, you know, $1,000 purses, that, that doesn't serve the community. These people are self enriching themselves.
3: So not not only that, not only that, I love that you made a distinction between private property, between, between private property and personal
0: property mm-hmm. because when we're not coming for your toothbrush,
3: (laughs) right? When people start talking about, and that you know, not just the establishment and the the corporatists, but you know, average everyday people with small businesses and stuff, when you start talking about workers owning the means of production and the the uh, abolition of private property, they think that means that everybody's going to live on a commune in a farm and that we're all going to live out of huts that we can't have anything anymore. And there's a difference between private ownership like BlackRock buying up entire neighborhoods and Mm -hmm. preventing a person from acquiring that. That's what we're trying to stop is not that people again. Socialists do not want us to all live in a shack wearing burlap sacks. We want everybody to have a house. We want everybody to have nice things. And so it's not about not letting anybody have anything. It's about not letting a small group of people hoard everything and control what the rest of us do. And so that's a very important distinction. And that's what I found in a lot of things is that the real work that needs to be done is in, and I'm trying to stay away from using the word educating because it's not that there's a, it's, it's not about education. It's not that people who don't have a college degree aren't smart and need an education. It's about knowledge and access of information and resources and about it's breaking down the differences between if all everybody hears is oh we want to abolish private property and they only think that then they can't own a house or a car Mm -hmm. then of course they're going to be
0: against it it's never going to be an attractive option
3: (laughs) right but but when we sit down and have a conversation about what that actually means same with defund the police when you talk about no and there are some that are that are that are aiming for complete abolition but in general, the slogan defund the police isn't abolition of the police. Mm. Those are different things. And that's why there's the slogan to abolish the police because they're different. That's why they need different slogans, jerk, yeah. because they're fucking different. Um, I, know I, I said jerk instead of asshole, but then I said and, fuck, whatever.
0: And defunding um, the police is a fucking middle ground position, by the way. Like,
3: absolutely. And, th- and that's another thing is that all of these things that we're coming up, they keep calling these extreme positions, but these are moderate middle of the road. Bernie was the compromise. They, they don't even understand centrist and anywhere else, else in would, the world. Right. The, what the rest of what, yeah, what the rest of the world has and what the rest of us want. Um, But yeah, it, defunding the police is about reallocating resources for mental health and social workers and better schools and stuff like that. It's, it's, making sure that our police officers don't have tanks and rocket launchers and AK-47s rolling up into schools. Um, So it's 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 there's a there's been an intentional misinformation campaign for decades across different policies and platforms. And so what we need to do is have these kinds of conversations, draw the distinctions and break down, break down the differences and make sure that people know what we're what we're really talking about. And I think I've talked for too long, Heather had something
2: no, I, no, I, but I, and I, to pick up on the conversations, this is where I become very, um, like very pessimistic about it all, because I don't think that there are many people that are even willing to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. They're so Bad faith entrenched in their, their belief system, or, you know, it's really about something else, you know, like with the housing, you know, it, it. I think it goes into things like racism, you know, like you have people that are buying up areas so that they can control who they are renting to.
0: Absolutely. Or,
2: Or what can be built in their community or who can live in their community um and the same with you know defund the police you know um they they kind of want like that control and so i start to wonder who really wants to have these conversations and if they don't want to have the conversations or if you have like a group that is able to control the message so that so many people don't want to control or don't want to have the conversation because that's really like last year that's what we saw right mm-hmm. is that is that everything was derailed because a very very small group of smart you know political consultants with the gop they were able to kind of infiltrate every community with this like you know crazy q defund the police socialism like all this crazy shit and so people didn't want to have conversations like in my own campaign Amazing. nobody wanted to have a conversation it was as simple as what do you think about black lives matter okay they're socialist black black people are are you know affiliated with black lives matter and black lives matter is socialism and you're going to destroy our city and that was it the conversation was over so like you had yeah. a handful of people like a very, very small handful of crafty people that are controlling this like narrative. And then you've got all the other people that, you know, they're able to influence. So who is left to have these conversations, you know? Um, and, and And how do you like break through that, you know? Because mm-hmm. it all derails.
3: You know and you're never able to get anywhere you know
0: yeah no, so i agree
3: i actually have the answer to that question really quick is i have had a ridiculous amount of success when and and no disrespect to you but you you ran as a democrat right yeah so that's that's the problem it I has am. nothing to do with you but as soon as they found out you were a democrat anything yeah. you had to say was garbage yep. Period, end of story And so what I've found is that when I start talking to people, and it's interesting that I could that. And I I hate to keep going to this generational thing, but I can tell how old someone is by the questions that they ask me. um, When I when I tell myself that I'm running for when I tell them, not myself, when I tell them that I'm I'm running for office, the older generation says, what party are you running? Yeah. And even with that, though, once I say I'm nonpartisan, the majority of people are like, "Oh, what? What does that mean? What is that? And what is?" Yeah. And so, they, whether it's out of curiosity or whatnot, their guard is not up, and so then we yeah. get to have a conversation. And and in addition to go ahead, what, what Well,
0: let's say what's funny about that is these these are the same group of people that constantly bitch about us being the ones that are spreading division in the country when they're right. the ones that are actually spreading it.
3: Absolutely. And no, that's yeah. a very valid point. But so so two things with that. So the 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 majority of the people that I speak to, whether they're a Republican or a Democrat and anything in between, once I tell them I'm nonpartisan, I almost always get a conversation with them. And not only that, there's a specific a couple of people that are libertarian, conservative, outright Republican, that I've been able to engage with, like specifically, and let's specifically talk about Black Lives Matter, and we were, this this spun out of the, the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, verdict, I was speaking with a gentleman who lives in Thousand Oaks, who is a supporter of mine, um, but sometimes has a little bit more conservative and right-leaning opinions and views, but he trusts me and we've we've now built up a rapport that i push back a little harder on him than i do on 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 somebody that i that i would have just met but he made a comment about how he's really upset with black lives matter and them making a public statement that if the if Rittenhouse wasn't found guilty that they were going to riot and in addition to that he had problems with them committing violence and i said okay two different conversations to be had here. One, in a way I can see your point of that where we feel that a group of people tried to sway the outcome of an election by storming the Capitol, and we don't feel that is right. I can see where you can make a point that Black Lives Matter as an organization making a public statement that if you don't do this, we'll riot, that that could be perceived as trying to sway the verdict. And that is not cool, however, you have to understand where they're coming from, where historically and systemically, white people get away with violence and horrific violence, where somebody is for existence, for example, a specific example that was brought up was a 17 year old black kid who stole $50, got 20 years in prison, but Kyle Rittenhouse at 17 can murder three people in broad nightlight on camera with an AK-15, AR-15, AK-47, I can't remember, and gets away with it mm-hmm. and so that's where their frustration comes from and i explained that to him and, and he could and, and so that where and and you're right though heather if they don't give you the time to have that nuanced conversation then you then you're not going to get anywhere and i think that's where we need to to pull ourselves out and remove these labels and the, the, these partisanship and that's where we begin to, to be able to have dialogue and then on the again we still had to be able to have this nuanced conversation but where he made the the remark about how Black Lives Matter was committed, committing violence, I said, no, that's absolutely never happened, ever. That's, that's never happened. Any violence that has been perpetrated or committed at a Black Lives Matter protest was a, anti-protesters attacking the Black Lives Matter people. Now- Or the fucking police. Has happened, huh? Or the police. Right, yeah. so property damage has happened at Black Lives Matter rallies, but violence, Black Lives Matter has never targeted a person and beat them to within an inch of their life. That has never happened. And and then he started to explain himself and he said, well, there was a group of people dressed in all black who identified themselves as Antifa, who jumped an old lady, they called her a a, a racist and a white supremacist and they beat her within an inch of her life. And I said, okay, you've made two very important distinctions there. I said, that's not Black Lives Matter, that's Antifa, which isn't a real thing, but let's go with that. (laughs) If it was, a group of people identifying themselves as antifa why why are you mad at black lives matter for that and he said well they 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 do rallies with antifa and they organize with them and i said okay i said i went to a salvation army fundraiser event the other day mm-hmm. i said now the salvation army has a bad rap they've not always done the best things they're known to discriminate and exclude people and the higher-ups are especially in it for profit i said however our local chapter here has done some really great things and they're trying to serve our local community. I said, now, because I went to this Salvation Army fundraiser, am I going to be branded with whatever bullshit they've done for the last decades of their existence? And he said no. And I said, then why, if a group of people that clearly identify themselves, you're saying as Antifa, then why are you hating Black Lives Matter for that? Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. It needs to be be
0: those kind of nuanced conversations. Yeah, exactly. Right, and
3: so Um, so I was able to break through, and so there are people who you would think wouldn't even have a moment thought or or be willing to understand what you're saying, but when you're able to, once you get through and have that conversation, there are a lot of us that are willing to listen, and we're seeing record numbers of people who are fed up with the Democrats, fed up with the Republicans, fed up with, and like you're saying, Heather, earlier we were talking about nonpartisan. We can't automatically assume that those are all leftists. A lot of those are more conservative, but that still proves a point that in our county of currently, before they redraw the lines, 208,000 registered Democrats and 145,000 registered Republicans, where they just say, and everything else is other, there's 110,000 registered nonpartisan.
2: That's almost a third. Yeah. And so yes, is. you're
3: right. They're 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 conservative and leftist mixed in there because I'm a registered nonpartisan. But that just shows that the unhappiness, the frustration, the fed up, and us being done with the bullshit crosses party lines. And so and and here's another thing, and I'll I'll get off of this in a second. But this is another conversation, and this is a problem, especially on the left, where You know, there are people who are, oh, you can't have rallies with Republicans at them. And why are you talking to libertarians? And why are you you can't have young Republicans at your event? And my pushback on that is, are you fighting for Medicare for Democrats? Are you fighting for Medicare for leftists? Or are you fighting for Medicare for all? Well, if you're fighting for Medicare for all, then we're going to need Republicans and libertarians to convince their representatives to vote for it and so not only are we fighting to give these people that you might not agree with politically these policies but we need their help to get the numbers and so this 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 old school if you're not blue i hate you if you're not red you're not on my team like we're there's not only are the younger generations done with it but i'm engaging with more and more and more older people who are also fed up with the bullshit because neither party today stands for or represents what it did when they started voting. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we have a conservative party and we have a fascist party.
2: Yeah. And and I think that um, something you said about how you were talking to the guy in Thousand Oaks about Antifa and Black Lives Matter and it and it clicked in my head, you know, Um, so many people like they are unwilling to have, a like nuanced conversation or they just, you know, they have picked their party and they stick with it because of where they get like all their information, Mm -hmm. you know, like here in Ventura County, we have, um, in the East County, we have the local paper, the acorn, which is conservative leaning. Um, They like to play both sides of it, but ultimately they're very conservative. Um, The editors are conservative. Um, The Ventura County Star is a little bit more liberal, but they also make a very concerted effort to hire people that are not political. Um, So, But that's a very small paper. And not many people subscribe to it. Not many people pay for it. Not many people are interested in it because over the years they've come across as almost too bland, you know, like unwilling to report on difficult issues. And I think that that's changing a little bit because one of their um, lead editors, he's gay um, and he's very open about it. And so I think that he's changing the dynamic a little bit. Um, That's good. Um, but Ventura County is such a great example of a community that the majority of people get their information from national news. And getting back to like the main topic of you know this episode, the the capitalism and consumerism, it's like who owns these fucking <laughs> big media companies? Oh, like, yeah. you know, and so like you've got like a a a a small handful of of companies and CEOs you know owning all of this shit right yeah. um uh, like i just saw that like eight uh i know I mean, it's so obvious companies. heather like yeah.
0: every single article that's written is just like these you could tell these people are just fucking clowns like yeah. new, like new york times yeah. is like joe biden is succeeding i'm like okay yeah. maybe for you <laughs> but like
2: but like you know like AT and T owns like CNN, Time Warner. Like they own like right. fucking no, right. like three quarters of the information that people are getting. And Jeff then, Bezos
0: owns the Washington Post. Yeah, yeah.
2: And then and then people like in our county, for example, um, they only have access to like. A couple small town papers that, you know, are pretty bland, that try to please everybody, that lean a little bit, probably mostly the way politically that the community generally leans, come out once a week, you know, you get it for free on your lawn, you know, only half the county gets it. Mm -hmm. They really only report on stuff in Thousand Oaks, you (laughs) know. Um, And then everything else is what they see on Fox or CNN or MSNBC national news. And so when you're having a conversation with someone, it's hard to like break that barrier down yeah. when they are- they Literally don't
0: even see the same things. Yeah,
2: as you. exactly. Like during my campaign, people were talking about how at the Black Lives Matter protests, there was um, statues were defiled are Good. defaced and there was looting and burning of shit and I was like, "This is Camarillo, like none of that happened. Like, what are you even talking about? <laughs> like, right. where the fuck did you get that? Like, right?
5: <laughs> and right. like these
2: old ladies in Leisure Village, they just saw it in, in on Fox, right? And um, and so in order to be able to have those conversations, we have to like change the way our community is getting information like
3: absolutely
0: we
2: need to have more local journalism with a little bit more integrity yeah i mean the
0: mainstream media i would argue was the main reason we don't have bernie sanders as president right now because every single night over and over again joe biden is more electable bernie sanders is not electable he cannot beat trump he can't win every single night just pumping out the airwaves and so so
3: I, I couldn't agree more with everything that, that both of you just said. And here's what's interesting. Again, that is that is another thing that is that is shifting. And for a couple reasons, one, I you know hate him. We could talk awful shit about him all day, but there is a handful of positive things that did come out of the Trump presidency. And one of them is people no longer trusting mainstream media. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yes a lot of them still run and listen to fox and tucker carlson but even with that i have seen some crazy stuff where i watched a weather caster he was out it was a couple months ago when the southeast was getting attacked with hurricanes and there was a newscaster out there just ah the winds blow whatever and some people pulled his truck off on the side of the road and was like reported accurately and he's like (laughs) it's wind and rain i'm reporting it accurately like what do you want from me but that just shows the depth of where people are no longer even trusting people reporting the weather and so yes that also went down some really bad rabbit holes and then they turned to things like one news network or five, one was it one news network or some shit like that i don't know one whatever, american one, news network yeah that oh, so yeah. so but then also to a second point that's where Jordan and 805 Uncensored and, and conversations like we're having and people like us come yeah. in is putting out the information so that it's readily available. Um, and this is something that I'm trying to bring into all of my events is not just have it be a fundraising event or event that just people just come to, to, you know, meet me or, or whatever, but that at every event, there's some kind of purpose and educational. Here's the rental relief stuff in the area. Here's the climate actions that we're we're participating in. Here's how you can do this. Or or here's the resources that are available to you. And also, what do you need? Finding out what your community needs, um, because that's where then you get to have these conversations where you find out that even some really conservative Republicans will get down on Medicare for all if you can, number one, explain it without saying the words Medicare for all, and then also prove how it will actually help small businesses and farmers rather than hurt them. And then they're like, Oh yeah, I would be in support of something like that. Like, good, that's Medicare for all. It's 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 HR 194 1976. Make sure your legislator votes for it. But it's so, but it's the messaging, right? It's the brainwashing. It's the, it's the, Oh, Medicare for all is bad. Um, but then when you explain the details of it and the crux and how it would help the, the local community or this and that, then, then they're for it. And so we've just got to find the path to break in, make it appeal and apply to them. And so, yeah, you, in, in some ways we have to, uh, uh, apply, again, appeal to people's a little bit of their selfish nature, but not even just self survival, right? If, if a family is suffering and this dude, he's got a mother that's ill, that's going into long-term care or, or a daughter that's got cancer, Healthcare for all is going to save his life. Is going to change his life, mm-hmm. right? And so, but if you don't know that to have that conversation, then you know. So it, it takes getting to know the person a little bit. It also takes coming from a stance where they're going to listen, and and it doesn't work all the time. Absolutely not. I've had people scream at me, "Pick a side! You're in the way!" Like, uh, So you know, it, it's not always going to work. But I think that we have to keep having these conversations because people are as tribal as we are in some ways more willing to listen to things that they never would have given time before because they've been pushed so far to the edge that they're willing to go down a q QAnon rabbit hole if you can rabbit hole them the other way you know so it's just it's it's they they're they're all of it what's crazy is the overlap of support between trump and bernie sanders the people that voted for Bernie in the primary, but then voted for Trump in the general and vice versa. Both of them appealed to the same traits, desperate, working class, impoverished, left out, ignored people that have been pushed to our max, our absolute ends of our ropes. And then, yes, some of us choose things for a variety of reasons. Some of it on the right was racism, some of it was because he said he was going to save their cold job, right? Mm-hmm. So not all the people that voted for Trump were awful people. He was appealing to something desperate in us. That is and it's real and it's tangible and it's still there. And now some of them have woken up that they were abused and lied to by even this this fearless leader that was going to walk, walk them through everything, drain the swamp, bring all the jobs back, pull our economy out. They've now seen that they've been lied to. And again, Not all of them, but there's a huge portion of Trump voters from 2016 that didn't vote for him again in 2020. But I just saw that.
2: I just saw that in 2024, the polling is now showing that if it's Trump and Biden right now, Trump will win in a landslide. Absolutely. And and I think and I think that it is because Biden has proven to be. the exact cog in the machine that everybody was afraid he was going to be.
0: Well, the, yeah. El- yeah, the elephant in the room right now is Barack Obama, like in a yeah. world that made sense, if Barack Obama didn't fail on his campaign promises, we wouldn't have yeah. even had a Donald Trump.
3: Right. Yeah. No, ab- absolutely. And, and again, you're, you're both right on both points. And, and so what's <clears throat> most upsetting about those numbers, though, is they don't need to be that way. Those yeah. numbers aren't that way because Trump is awesome. Those numbers are that way because the Democrats and specifically Biden up. himself have failed so spectacularly.
2: Mm-hmm. And, and that's, and so, uh, yeah. And my, what, no, I was going to say this COVID thing is like it's going to be the final straw because the vast majority of people elected Biden to address COVID. Right. They did not elect him,
0: right? Absolutely, to,
2: to do all this other stupid bullshit. Like, I get it, infrastructure is very important, but not many people give a shit about that. Like, right? Even though, though we sorry. should, even, even though we though should, we should no. they're you know prioritizing, and it's like it's starting to come across that Biden is prioritizing things that like this bipartisanship. My dad calls right. it Biden's kumbaya shit. <laughs> and he'll like come out of his bedroom and he'll be like, Biden's at it again. And then my dad will be like singing Kumbaya like at the top of the stairs. And it's like, oh my God, like think about how many people in his generation and like around his age who make up the bulk of voters are like so pissed off because now especially, they're all looking at what's gone on these last couple of days and they're like, oh great. So I'm back to where I was in fucking March 2020, yeah. and exactly. Biden, who's fucking as old as me, doesn't give a shit. Right. You right. Know, and he gives more shit about, you know, pleasing this fucking guy who drives a Maserati to his yacht. Yep. Mansion and so, or whatever.
3: Again, <laughs> again, to know, that though, that's, ridiculous. but that's, that's why I'll, I'll say I'll, after this, I'll stop, Jordan. Sorry. Um, but so, but to that point though, Heather, that actually is just, it, it's exactly what I'm saying. All of these people, but so the, the, that's good that all these people are seeing that. The reason and the only reason Trump is winning in these polls is because there's literally nobody else on either side. We've been, there's, there's nobody on the Republican side that, that is going to step up and challenge, especially if Trump takes, does decide to step back up. I think Chris Christie is going to try and take a jab at him, but that guy has no freaking spine. Trump played him like a damn fiddle. Um, And so, and then, but then on the Democrats, they're trying to pull Pete Buttigieg and Kamala Harris.
0: Oh my God, they're they're not going to. Of course,
3: Trump's going to trounce
0: them. they're so fucking bad at politics. These
2: people. But you know what, Jordan? At the very, very beginning of this episode, you were talking about how you think that we might be ready for like a cultural change. Yeah. of yes you know, a cultural like cultural shift away from consumerism. cultural uh, away from consumerism and you know what as we're talking about this stuff about trump and as as like much as he only gave a shit about the stock market and as much as he is like he wasted so much tax money like at the golf course there's still like a a huge shift that i can see of people where they're seeing like the policies now with COVID, right? Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And they're like, fucking Biden, all he gives a shit about is the economy. Yeah. So why the fuck, why the fuck should I give shit? Or like he promised $2,000 checks and we only got Mm $1,400. Like what Biden has done is he has only like invigorated that shift, you know, that, that shift where people are just like, I my life is of more value than the economy, you know, yeah, yes. and, and they probably fall into that middle where like, yeah, you know, there are things that they're going to be willing to compromise if their only other option is Trump, mm-hmm. you know, um, because to them, it's like, look at what we got, yeah. you know, we're, we're what, 11 months in and, and he's failed at know? everything.
3: He's failed yeah. at absolutely everything. Um, and, and to that point, I think, and that's why when people tell me, you know, Oh, do you, do you really think this is the time for you to run for office? Do you really think that you should be running on This is exactly the time <laughs> yes. because people need to number one, people are done. People are more fed up with everything in our country than they've ever been. Probably since, uh, the civil war, right? Like we are at such melt at such boiling points on everything. Um, And yes, I wish it wasn't at each other's throats and it was more directed at the establishment and the elites and the the capitalists, the corporatists that are destroying us and pitting us against each other so that they can keep making money. But we're still getting fed up to a point where we're starting to look for something different, something better. And so I really hope that either party or a third party or a nonpartisan something shows up in 2024 to, you know, give us an option to not have to vote for so that, you know, it's not just Trump and Biden, because if that happens, we're, we're, we're just absolutely fucked. Um, so we, no, that's we, the need, end. yeah, that'll
0: be the end. Yeah. it's the end because of the US. Trump will win. The Trump so will we, win.
2: And then it will, he will, he, he will be,
0: he will not leave. He will turn our country into Nazi Germany. Yeah, he will not leave.
3: He, so he will we not. Need to, we need to do everything we can over the next few years to to mobilize our people to to build a, a nonpartisan and an independent thing. So you can still go vote however you want, but stop hating people because they're not.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. But you don't um, have
3: to change your registration to vote for a nonpartisan or to support an independent or yeah. to support somebody that's representing your values. that's actually going to fight for you. Stay mm-hmm. a registered Republican. I don't give a shit but go vote for somebody who's <laughs> going to do something for you.
0: Yeah. For real. Okay. Right, NFL, uh, sorry. That's, that's okay, Daniel. I, I loved everything you said there. Um, I just wanted to finish it off by reading this Twitter thread that was super on point talking about wage theft and how the mainstream media ignores important stories. Yeah. A lot of the things that we were just talking about. So right. first of all, I'm going to give credit to this person on Twitter. They're a journalist. Their name is Equality Alec. <clears throat> nice. So this threat is inspired by the gap in what mainstream media treats as urgent and what are the greatest threats to human safety, well-being, and survival. So he begins by saying, for example, air pollution kills 10 million people each year and causes untold additional illness and suffering, and it's rarely featured in the daily news stories. Why? Um, it says... Uh, it, Air pollution kills an estimated 10 million people each year, but it does much more than that. A long-term threat of what it means that more than much 90% of the world's population is overall affected by air pollution. But the point is, instead of this important news story, the daily news is dominated by crime stories. But even these are crime stories of a very specific kind. They aren't stories about the many air pollution crimes. They're kinds of crimes that are publicized by public, press, public police uh, reports, usually involving poor people. Many of the deadly U.S. air and water pollution is also criminal, but law enforcement, in quotes, chooses to ignore it, and thus, so so do journalists. <clears throat> Eighth, the same is true of water and air pollution and fraudulent home foreclosures, all of which cause huge death rates that kill far more people than what cops call homicides. Now, <clears throat> why is this important? Well, what the media treats as urgent helps people determine what the public thinks is important. It shapes what and who we are afraid of. Yep. So he proposes a thought experiment. He says, imagine if every day for the last 25 years, every newspaper and TV station had urgent breaking news stories and graphics about the thousands of deaths the night before from air and water pollution, climate change, or poverty. Take the frenzy over retail shoplifting from big corporate stores, which yep. has taken over local and national news. Sa- same reporters don't cover the $137 million a day that's stolen in corporate wage theft, including by the same companies whose press releases about shoplifting, they ver- they quote. Yep. Take the frenzy over retail shoplifting. Uh, sorry, I just read that. Um... Uh, The media's frenzy has led to emergency actions by many politicians who are feeling intense political pressure to pass laws, assign thousands more police, increase police prison budgets, and uh, project an urgency they have never shown for wage theft. Yeah, so it says right here, um, Gavin Newsom is promising to boost police funding amid shopping, uh, shoplifting increase. (laughs) So,
3: Heather, do you want to say anything? Uh,
0: Well, there's there's some more stuff. Sorry, guys says wage theft is more devastating than all other property crime combined and unlike theft from big companies wage theft is by corporations from workers many of whom struggle to meet their basic necessities of life it makes people homeless and kids go without food and winter clothes overdraft fees amount to basically the same amount Ah. of property theft as all Ah. burglary larceny car theft and shoplifting combined probably not because the media doesn't report on instances of overdraft fraud by banks every day. If it's hard to grasp the scale of the news silence on a $50 billion wage theft epidemic, how can we grasp the scope of the news daily silence on the $1 trillion in tax evasion epidemic by the wealthy people? A trillion dollars every single year is unaccounted for just based on taxes that the wealthy do not pay. And yeah, that's the end of the Twitter threat.
2: Uh. You know, it's yeah. funny that if you were talking about the breaking news, because just the other day we were talking about how, like, on C- like if you watch CNN or MSNBC, right? Mm-hmm. Every time they come back from commercial, they say, okay, breaking news. But what they're talking about is not breaking news, mm-hmm. you know? Like Don Lemon will be like, breaking news racism still exists in America <laughs> and it's like it's so stupid but then when you start like reading a Twitter thread like you just read you start to realize how insidious that really is yeah. because yeah. what they're doing is they're hammering into our brains our like psyches. What, what we should think of is breaking news you know, instead of what is like the real breaking news. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And again, like getting back to like who owns these companies, you know, and like what do they have to like benefit from, you know, like CNN, like if they breaking news, one new person has been identified in Israel with the (laughs) Omicron COVID and it's like, Okay, I guess that's a big deal, but also like they are making so much money off of you, like thinking that that's like a really big deal while, you know, the COVID is totally out of fucking control with the other thing here, you know, the other variant here. And it's like, you're paying attention to this other thing because that's what keeps you watching,
0: you know? Exactly. And that's what the media has just evolved into. This just entertainment apparatus. And that's why people don't trust it because they know it's just money. It's just clickbait headlines. And also, yeah, and also going off that, our generation doesn't have like a Walter Cronkite. We don't have somebody that just fucking delivers the news.
3: No, so all of that it's it's sensationalized to keep us watching keep us tuned in keep their ratings up and then it's also dictating what's important guiding the social narrative and then it also feeds their motives because of course these big companies are going to be concerned with shoplifting because they need to make money they're paid for by these 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 donors are the ones who are being shoplifted from right the advertisers so there's that and then
0: it's just sexy right it just looks it just well, looks attractive
3: yeah that too it, it, it plays better but um it, it it makes us like you said heather it makes us care about certain things when like if you said if, if there had been news every day about all the people dying from pollution everybody would be in the streets right now yeah like yeah. are you are you kidding me but yeah. they and It's done for a variety of reasons, their personal reasons, what their boss tells them to say, whose name's on the building, who's cutting the check, Um, what legislation is going to be passed, that'll that'll hurt them. Yeah, I'm going to
0: shout out, sorry, just to cut you off real quick, Daniel, I was just going to shout out my friend Ian Stevens, he runs a YouTube channel called The Lucretia Report, he has a great video where he argues that we will never truly have a free press under capitalism. Yeah. It can't exist. No,
2: it can't. No. And and what did I say like yesterday or the day before? I like woke up and like I get up and I see all this news about these smash and grab events, right? And ironically that day I like woke up and you know how Facebook gives you those stupid Facebook memories. I, in my Facebook, you know, oh, Heather, we thought you would want to remember this from like three or four years ago when there was a smash and grab in, at the Ulta in Oxnard. Okay. And, you oh, know, this video yeah. went viral of, you know, because the employees were standing there recording it or whatever. It was like, oh, keep it classy, Oxnard. Oh, <laughs> That was three or four years ago. The smash and grab shit has been going on for so
3: long. So and here's two points to that. One again there's two points I want to make about that. One that instead of seeing shoplifting and a smash and grab as a problem that people don't have enough money to get what they need to survive, exactly. it's seen as we're yeah. just lazy criminals. Like again, yeah. so they're not looking at what's causing the the societal unrest and what we're doing. And then again, the news doesn't want to focus on that angle of it because it's not in their better interest to pay attention to what poor people don't have and how we're being you know, pitted against each other like that. So they've got to frame it as also, because I think that this is also part of the spin to reinforce that we need police.
0: Yeah. And it's just hilarious the- too, because like the media, when they cover so many of these stories, <laughs> like it's so obvious that they're just they're just comfortable millionaires in their studios like they don't right. fucking understand why people believe in QAnon. like they just think that people are just morons like they don't right. understand any of the socioeconomic breakdowns that lead to that right
3: and yeah. they continue to tell us that you know that the that, that, oh this 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 thievery is why we need more police and and this is why like they've already been for months talking about how crime rates are going up and it's because of defund the police when nowhere has implemented any defund the police it's just talk but yeah. they're blaming it on something that's never even happened number 1 number 2 where are most police oh yeah in it's, it's, poor communities poor communities yeah, poor, yeah poor in poor communities. communities where they have the highest crime rates mm-hmm. there's no cro- there's no cops in the high communities and the rich communities where they have no crime
0: rates exactly
3: You know why? Because rich people aren't stealing from each other, because when you have what you need, you don't go steal from your neighbor. And also if police was a correlation to a low crime rate, then why having millions of them on our
0: streets and our (laughs)
3: communities, does that not actually decrease the crime rate?
0: Yeah. Why don't we have the safest country in the world?
2: You know, it's funny that, um, also,
0: uh, sorry to keep you guys if you got to go soon.
2: We'll wrap up at eleven. So at the beginning, before we even started recording, we were talking about the redistricting, Mm -hmm. and this whole episode, I've been thinking about this: how the 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 redrawing of the congressional district. You know, a lot of it has to do with demographics, right? Yeah, yeah. And and when you look at like the district that Jordan and I live in, right, which Mm -hmm. is now different than yours. Yeah. it's now lumped in with Calabasas, Malibu, Thousand Oaks, Malibu. And so I'm like sitting here and I'm thinking about this and we're talking about crime and I'm thinking about how crime has been going up and I'm realizing how much the demographics in Camarillo have changed. Right? Mm-hmm. And how many people are actually poor now in Camarillo. Like uh, the average is about 17 to 20 percent of people are below the poverty limit in Camarillo now. And so we're, we are like, like, this is what's happening is like Camarillo is like, a, you know, is the epitome of capitalism, right? Yeah. Everybody's got a nice home. You've got your outlet mall. Everybody's got the nice shit. You know, everybody drives, you know, the keeping up with the Joneses, like the China that I got like that, that that's our our Camarillo family's whole thing is like the stuff that we have, right? But now we're still actually becoming like the lower end of our congressional district, yep. right? We have more crime, yeah. Right. And and uh, you know, and what is what is it tied to the outlet mall, right? That's where all our crime is coming from—is the fucking outlet mall. The place where people are going to spend the money—that's where all the crime is coming, you know. Uh, And why are people like you were just saying, Daniel? Why, why are people going to the outlet mall and stealing? Well, I mean, if twenty percent of the city is poor, like (laughs) below poverty. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe people are stealing because they can't fucking afford the
0: shit. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna bitch about people continuing to steal stuff, but you're not gonna raise their wages, right?
3: Like exactly, oh, we've 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 just lived through two years of economic devastation, where most of the where a, a, a larger percentage of us than almost ever in American history were unemployed, and now we've got Christmas coming. There was we just went through the school season. Of course, that's why people are stealing, and that's that's what pisses me off the most is they just throw more cops at it <laughs> instead of raising our wages, providing better benefits, lo- making sure that people can afford their groceries, and then on top of that. We like it's crime. Like they they say that, oh, it's just people are just bad people or whatever it's. And yes, there is some crime of opportunity, but nine times out of 10, it's a crime out of necessity. And you can tell what a community I realized this recently. You want to tell that a community is struggling and how or what they're struggling with, go to the grocery store and look at what's locked up.
0: Yep. Oh yeah. Here
3: here in
0: baby formula.
3: there's two baby routes formula. within a couple miles of me there's one on saviors at oxnard which is in the more spanish-speaking neighborhood and there's one in channel islands more the old white retired neighborhood mm-hmm. and the one in saviors has more stuff locked up they have their liquor locked up they have their baby formula their diapers their medicine locked up and i'm like these people aren't jewel thieves these people are stealing to feed their children
2: yeah you don't see a
3: problem here
2: yeah (laughs) you know uh i shop at ralph's and uh daniel as you're mentioning that as you're mentioning that i'm like look i'm like thinking about what ralph's has locked up and who shops at ralph's the fucking old people shop at ralph's and you know what ralph's has locked up all their diabetic test strips
3: they're probably medicine and, and little like they're little like little things like that that they need. They don't. They don't have baby formula locked up.
2: They have the fucking one touch test strips locked up. Because old well, people because that are living on social
3: security yeah. and their Medicare doesn't cover it. their test strips, yeah. they can't afford it because they're trying to eat cat food to pay for their insulin. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. You can tell what. What portion of your community is struggling? By looking at what's locked up in your local grocery store.
0: Yeah, I com- I completely agree with everything you guys just said. Um,
3: All right, how do we button this up?
0: I don't really have any final thoughts. Uh, you guys want to plug your stuff real quick, and then we can wrap it up. Whoever sure. wants to go first, Heather, you want to plug your blog or whatever?
2: Head to my blog, heatherchristinaschmidt.com. I'm uh, I'm publishing my Tell all about uh, running for city council before the end of the year. So nice. it'll be there and it's going to be free and
0: fuck it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> che- check it out, <laughs> listeners. She's a really talented writer.
3: I cannot wait to read this. I cannot wait to read <laughs> this tell
0: all. Daniel, you have anything you want to plug? All
3: right. Awesome. So hi, everybody. Uh, Daniel Wilson here. Uh, please go to votefordaniel.com. Check out all my social medias at daniel for vc right there. Um, I'm actually running for state assembly to represent us right here in Ventura County. I will be running in the western portion of the county, which is going to be the new assembly district. Um, So check out votefordaniel.com and uh, follow me at daniel for vc on everything. Thank you so much,
0: guys. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. Anytime. You guys have a great rest of your night.
3: Oh, and also subscribe. Hit the bell wherever you're watching, Jordan, 805 Uncensored. Make sure you follow him. This is the real deal, heel. We gotta we gotta keep having these conversations and, and getting this stuff out there. That's how we change hearts and minds.
0: Thank you so much, Daniel. Um, 805 Uncensored is on Twitter at 805 Uncensored. I'm also on Instagram at 805 Uncensored Pod. And if you want to email me to ask a question or have any guests you'd like to suggest, you can email me at 805 Uncensored at gmail.com. Thanks everybody and have a great night. You too. All right, bye-bye. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.